For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Okay, so the uh, next Ireland manager story dominates the uh, sporting sections of many of the newspapers because Stephen Kenny ain't getting a new contract. So your thoughts actually? Well, I just was thinking, and I'll come back to this later if you want, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if we had Roy Keane as manager of the Irish soccer team and we had, say for instance, uh, Ronan O'Gara manager either the Irish rugby team or the Munster team. I'm just kind of daydreaming. It's fairy tale stuff. But as to whether Keane would do the bit, just I'll give, I'll give you a couple of seconds on this because you you actually backed up what what um, shame what um, the lads were saying this morning oh. uh, that, that uh, his style of management wouldn't be tolerated by players. That's I what Rory was saying. Like there's look, there's been stories before when he was in the Irish camp with himself and Harry Arter, who was a former Irish player who was uh, kind of notoriously injured quite a lot, and Keane had to go off Arter for being injured, saying he wasn't looking after himself and then there was an argument there but well, what is wrong with that he's he's the manager like he's got to manage people but you're exactly you have to manage people barking at people and, and making accusations of people isn't managing people you're like, trying to toughen them up like to but make sure you see war, ready for war but why is it because they're 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 children and they can't look after they themselves need to be like fu- there needs to be trust there and certainly you need if you're if you're playing with somebody or if you're working with somebody like you don't work with them by barking orders no, at them and giving saying, out to no, them no not you know in the mean? workplace no but this is sport this is li- you live or die stuff to win to win to win yeah it's different like you see like I, I think there's like you look at man, you look at really good managers and managers that win right because Keane let's be honest like Keane hasn't been in management in 13 12 years I think he had a, a successful time with Sunderland bringing them up he had a disaster at Ipswich he's been involved as assistant manager at a couple of places and hasn't lasted very long right so I think that in a way, tells the story of Roy Keane's managerial style okay. and no, no, how compatible that. it is. But that. like the best managers, the Pep Guardiola's, the Mikel Arteta's, they they talk about a culture, right? And a culture isn't about blaming and giving out, and this isn't good enough, and you're doing this, and you can shove it up your whatever, which is, I think, what Keane said. I think at one point there were reports he he accused Declan Rice's Irishness, which is, they say, one of the reasons that he could potentially have left to go to, to England. I don't so, know how true that is. So but, like, you're talking about uh, establishing a culture is about establishing a place where people are willing and accepting mistakes and, in, and accepting that's part of the process of getting better. When you have somebody who is constantly on your back, you're so afraid... Does to he never give credit, though? I, I don't... I, from what I hear from players... Uh, certainly in the last couple of days Gabby Ogbonlahor was talking on TalkSport recently about it and he played under Keane and he said he's not compatible in the modern day as a manager and he would they're, be a terrible they're, maybe they're just well, maybe they're just too snowflakey for Keane do you but know you what I mean that, that's all very well they're, they're for too you kind yeah, of light. That, that's well for you and Keane to say but that is the reality of, of football okay. and, and, okay. and, and like okay. it's anywhere maybe at the we'll moment we'll never win anything then you know? if they don't toughen up <laughs> but do you, so it's the players then will dictate as the, the manager well be. no they won't but I think the players I think respect goes both ways and if you have a, a guy who's constantly on your back and is constantly criticising you then you it's very hard to have respect for somebody who treats you like that so I think yeah but you might if you started winning games pal I don't know it just it, it, I think that sort of what stuff worked before I think there was a certain amount of get up and put up and shut up and I think now players realise okay. that that's not the way to win football matches I, I look maybe okay. he takes over and we win the World Cup I, I would love to see I'm very happy to be proven incorrect OK let's get people's opinions on your thoughts with regards to Roy Keane and what you've just said text 0868 104 106 the boot keys of Keane at 5-2 Neil Lennon at 7-2 Lee Carsley at uh, 
at um, 4 to 1. Uh, Steve Bruce after that at 11 to 2. Sam Allardyce after that. Text 0868104106. We are still awaiting on this ceasefire um, with regards to Israel and Palestine. It hasn't happened, at least as it was coming on air, it hadn't, hasn't happened. Uh, but they will, at some stage, uh, call a halt. A four-day pause, as they're saying in the Red Tops today, and that will allow the release of uh, maybe 50 hostages, maybe more. Israel has promised, though, that they will go back to war. Um, and amongst those that hopefully will be released 47 days after being held captive by the uh, uh, Hamas group will be the Irish-Israeli girl, Emily Hand. And she makes all of the papers today and her dad is distraught and hopes that she will be amongst those, the little nine-year-old that will be released. Uh, I pray Emily is on the list, is a headline story making the red tops today. That's the Mirror's headline. You see in this morning's sun they're saying I hope Emily will be free in 24 hours. So that's dominating many of the papers today and hopefully uh, who knows if there's a ceasefire you know, wouldn't there be a small chink of light that the ceasefire will hold and that there'll be some kind of talks that can bring this to a conclusion as another awfully, awfully and horrific story again from our courts making the front of this morning's uh, echo. It has to do with a Christmas Day stabbing back on Christmas Day 2021 when everything should be peaceful and joyous and should be about a family time and love and togetherness. But you had a 50-year-old woman stabbed five times subjected to terrifying death threats on Christmas Day by her then-husband, who has now been jailed for four and a half years. So a court report from Liam Healan in The Echo today. Laszlo Nemeth, sentenced by uh, the judge to five years imprisonment, last six months suspended, and ordered to go back to Hungary within three days of his release and never come back to Ireland. I think it's fair to say a lot of people would agree with that kind of an order. Uh, He was ordered to never have any contact with his wife, his son, his son's girlfriend, uh, all three of whom were subjected to the accused man's death threats uh, on Christmas Day. It's a front page of Making the Echo today. And staying with stories on Lee's side, uh, and I'll come back to this this morning because uh, we're expecting uh, good things, I hope, with regards to uh, McCurtain Street and the whole revamp of McCurtain Street and indeed down around Coburg Street and Devonshire Street and areas like that make the city more beautiful. Uh, But there's been an awful lot of illegal parking apparently, primarily uh, on McCurtain Street, notwithstanding other streets as well, even down around uh, Coburg Street and, and Devonshire Street where People in cars and SUVs and what have you, primarily at night, are using that lane of traffic to park up. Um, I don't know how it's going to work out with two-way traffic. I'm as confused as ever as to whether it's just buses or whether cars at the weekend will... I believe cars will be allowed to drive up and down McCartan Street first time since 1968. But towing... Uh, could be coming back if the Labour councillor John Marr has his way. He's issued a call ahead of the opening of McCartan Street uh, to bring back towing uh, to crack down on illegal parking along that historic Cork Street. So more on that across the morning. And then this is confusing me. Um, it's, there's some councillors on... Here's my, here's my read of it. There are a couple of councillors, and I'm open to correction, uh, on Lee side that don't want Christian prayers um, to have anything to do with council business. Uh, this is a story that makes the echo today. I hope to get it clarified a little later on with Lorna Bogue from the Greens, but it's a story uh, that does make the echo where a letter by two city councillors complained of the emphasis on prayers by Catholic and Church of Ireland religious leaders at a special council meeting uh, last week. Um, I know that 
I, I don't know if Cork City Council ever voted on that, but I know that Waterford City Council once upon a time voted on removing religious prayers to open and close council business, and it was rejected, and they still actually use prayers, and it has a significant uh, religious aspect to the start and the end of uh, council meetings. Today is the day before Black Friday, except it has started. Many of the deals are already available everywhere, anywhere. We we'll go from today into Black Friday itself, and then, of course, Cyber Monday, and all of the warnings are there. I'll talk to Claire a little later on this morning with regards to Black Friday and everything to go with it. The examiner says this morning that the biggest shopping weekend of the year is upon us when thousands and thousands, millions I think would be more accurate, will be spent on Black Friday through to Cyber Monday but it comes with its warnings from the uh, Consumer Protection Agency, from Revenue from DHL um, from Consumer Association of Ireland all warning, make sure that your security is solid, make sure that you're engaging in a website that you know is legit. So more on that with Claire a little later on. But the mail does break down the five sneakiest Black Friday scams and how to avoid them. One is um, people getting back to you saying that you gave incorrect bank details and they need to check your numbers and stuff. The other one is the other way around where there's a growing scam involving fraudsters emailing shoppers uh, to say that there's been a problem with their transaction and you need to go through the whole process again and if you don't do it actually very interestingly be very aware then of, of fraudsters or scam websites where they have a countdown clock they're offering you a deal really seriously good discount 67% off and there's a clock you know it's got three minutes and it's clicking down to two and a half and two that's to make you move faster chances are it's a scam then you got fake goods things that are just fake um, and it's a total and utter scam. You make payment for stuff that is fake when it arrives or they never turn up. Other ones then um, have to do with them getting on to you saying that uh, here's your, you know, this is the tracking number. You need to track it, fill in this link to track the, you know, there's, there's, there's many of them. I'm only giving you the heads up on a few of them. So more on that throughout the course of the morning. The papers also talk today um, of uh, people who rob and go out and about on robbing sprees. Apparently there's one particular gang that makes the independent today because they use Airbnb as a base for their crime. So they'll rent an Airbnb and an example is given of the rental of an Airbnb in Knock County Mayo and then they go off and they hit many of the counties surrounding Knock and County Mayo. Like they start hitting on unoccupied houses in Roscommon, Galway and Mayo. They use that Airbnb when they've done a lot of robbing then they move on to another part of the country in another Airbnb. It gives them the protection of where they can keep their swag I suppose. And then of course um, the papers also talk of the life and times that we live in particularly with regards to retiring. Um, pension age will be kept at 66 I mean, you you turn 65 and then it's that year really that you're kind of looking forward to. Not everybody. Some people just don't want to retire and feel they could an awful lot left on the clock. But we need more PRSI. That's one of the reasons why I don't buy any of this. We're saying we need more PRSI now um, because we're, we're going to allow people to continue to retire at the age of 66 and we need to be able to pay for it. So that's the story making the mail today. Young drinking is up apparently, particularly with the 15 to 24 year olds. There's a boozing concern with regards to that age group according to the mirror today and if you things thought things were mad they've just got that slightly bit madder with a fellow over in the UK Ozan Baziki he is now serving fish and chips except uh, the cod is sold with salt vinegar and gold that's right he's wrapping his cod in layers of 24 karat gold what are you supposed to do? Eat the fish and chips with the gold on board? On board? I mean, it's 24 karat gold, man. But he's selling it uh, with gold leaf for an additional 
Um, I just saw the prices this morning. He says a gold, actually he also sells steak, gold covered steak at €1,700. Um, and I imagine that the fish and chips isn't too far behind that. I wonder if it'll catch on though. Uh, I doubt it because, I mean, you'll always get people who are daft enough to do it. But I think majority of people have more, more, more sense and spending that kind of money on gold leaf on your fish and chips probably taste off I mean often metally taste off it anyway wouldn't they and then finally a little bit of audio for you Cliff Richard was on the This Morning show um, it's self-explanatory the piece of audio though but Alison Hammond was the presenter of it Cliff Richard's 83 now he appeared on the ITV breakfast show uh, on Monday uh, to discuss his six decade career in the entertainment industry uh, and by all accounts they covered an awful lot of ground in this regard but part of where uh, they were talking to him about was whether or not he ever met uh, Elvis Presley um, and uh, he, he did make a point as to he could have at least once met Elvis Presley uh, but turned it down I'll tell you why next I thought I had the audio here but I don't Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 104 Red FM Okay my apologies I was given a story on Cliff Richard but I wasn't given the audio I now have the audio so without repeating myself he got into hot water and was accused of fat shaming because he was asked as to whether or not he ever met uh, Elvis Presley. Now, bear in mind, Cliff Richard is 83 now, and of course, the world is ever changing. Have a listen to this. Did you ever meet Elvis? Oh, no, I did not. I had one chance through a, a, a journalist when I was promoting Devil Woman in the States. Yeah. He said, Oh, I, I know Elvis, because he knew that I was influenced. And I said, he said, Would you want to meet him? I said, Yeah. At the end of the interview, though, I said, Can we put it off? Because he was, he put on a lot of weight, oh, right. and I thought if I'm having a photograph taken with him, and it's going to be hanging on my refrigerator, it, he's got to look good. And I put it off, and of course, then he died. Oh, should so never put it off just I because should, they're a little bit heavier. No. If anybody has got, if you're a fan of somebody's, you should, if you get the chance to meet them, Take meet them, even if they've put on weight. Is <laughs> that <laughs> so, why you don't want me at your house anyway? <laughs> Yeah, she did say to him, you should never, you know, put something off because somebody's put on a bit of weight. But a lot of people came out and loaded a bit of weight on uh, Cliff Richard for saying that, calling it fat shaming. I think if he, if he had his time over, I think it was quite a naive thing to say, really. I bet he would regret it uh, because you're never going to win with a comment like that. Anyway, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. One of the things that we did uh, on air yesterday uh, was um, talk about uh, housing or the building of housing or the availability of housing. It was it led on actually from issues with regards to Irish water and the shocking quality of water on Leaside. Uh, incidentally, no, uh, Irish Water did not provide me with any spokesperson, just all sorts of statements and bullet points. They had an opportunity, they had the staff to do it. If it was RTE that put somebody on, all right, but I don't know what their problem is, but uh, nobody to actually speak real words to. But apart from that, there was one aspect of the conversation that was interesting. Coming on the back of our stories about Ballincollig recently, where there are like uh, 7,000 houses could be built out there, uh, but they can't build them. They've got planning permission and everything's been zoned residential, but everybody wants the houses built, builders wanted, everybody uh, would buy them and live in them but they forgot to put in the utilities uh, and then somebody mentioned while on air yesterday, Brian, something like 100 houses, houses um, what, what was the actual figure that Brian mentioned yesterday with regards to houses that were unfinished that's the figure they're looking for. Maybe Ken Collins can tell me because I, I, I think it was something like 150 or something like that. Ken, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How he, you he said there was a load of houses built on the north side. They were half built. Some of them were roofed, but none of them were finished. How many? 
that's 24 houses above in uh, Kilmore Road in Nahini, part of the, re- the regeneration of Nahini. Okay, yeah. why did he mention between 100 and 150? Are there more on the phase that haven't even started or something? Um, well, I suppose that's that phase. That's, that's just lying idle there for the last number of years. There's um, contractual issues between the council and the, the, the developer. <coughs> Excuse me. What's it, like, um, and we, we can't say what those issues are between the council and the builder, is it, no? Well, we're asking questions. Um, I, I've been asking questions. Council Nugent is, uh, Thomas Gould has raised in the doyle, and we've just been told it's contractual issues. Um, I've asked three times in the last two months for a meeting of the regeneration team, and it's come through. We're having it on the 12th of December in relation to what's going on. Um, Sinn Féin are far the regeneration of Nahini. We're, we're all about this, but the pace of the regeneration of Nahini is so slow, Neil. It's, it's, people are giving out about it because we need housing. We need to upgrade the housing up not Nahini that are there because they're too small and they're, they're just okay. not fit for purpose. Okay, you know? okay. But, the, but the ones that are kind of half-built and left there, how long are they sitting there unfinished? You're two years now. Right. Um, and they would be uh, dilapidated. I'm not saying they're dilapidated, but it's not doing them any good like that. No, they're being weather beaten, as we call it, like, you know, because they're open through weather. And, uh, you know, you'd have open timber there, you'd have brickwork that's not completed. Okay. Um, which so is the builders really left, the, the builders are not on site. There's no equipment there. Nothing's been done in two years. Not, not, there's uh, no builders actually building it on on that site whatsoever. They're just packed up and left or whatever. They're certainly not whatever. there. Yeah, yeah, so why, why doesn't somebody go in and finish them? Well, we're looking for that and that's why we're, we call for this meeting uh, and we're being granted this meeting on the 12th of December looking for, you know, answers and we, 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 need, we need these houses to be completed. And we need them finished and completed as soon as possible. Okay, okay. So do you think then on the 12th of December you'll know why the builders left the site and weren't able to finish? Well, we're hoping to get answers, Neil. Um, we're sick to death of asking. I've asked public questions to the CE and it's just it's commercially sensitive, contractual issues and, and so on. Like you know, So that's the answers we're getting all the time. Okay. And it's unfair. It's unfair on the people that live in Oklahoma. It's unfair on the people that are on the housing list as well because it's a knock-on effect as well to those. Okay. So how many, how many homes have actually been built in that area, say, for instance, in the last six years, five or six years? 99 houses since how does that how does that performance compare with others well we we, we actually did a leaflet there and this is factual information uh, based on what was built in Ballymun in Dublin in the same six year period there was 4,025 houses built in Ballymun in, in Dublin so in Ballymun they got 4,000 houses in six years and, and the Nottingham area of the Cork City in the same period got 99 built that's correct yes why is there such a massive disparity? Is it that they've got more land up there to build on or what? I being honest with you, Neil, it's just so slow, you know. I know COVID came in and it was a probably a pause on, on, on works for probably twelve months. But like again, the regeneration program started it was first muted in two thousand, the year two thousand. We are now heading into the year two thousand twenty four. The first bucket was moved out in 2014, and since 2014 to date, we have 99 homes built. And what was promised? 650? Yeah, yeah, there's 420 to be knocked and 650 to be built. 
So 650 were promised, 99 were built. Yeah. And in Ballymun, they built 4,025 of them. Yeah, in the same period, yes. I don't know. I don't know, man. What do you make of that, though? That's bad news. It is, it is and it's disappointing because, you know, the, the people in North Nahini uh, deserve more and deserve better, you know, and they're, they're putting up with, you know, idle sides there, and, you know, it's it's just a very, very slow... It's a very, very sl- snail's pace as well as that at the moment, and, you know, we, we need this to speed up, and we need it done because, like, at this stage... And I'm going to say this, it's going to take 55 years to do the regeneration of Nahimi because we're building 10 houses a year. Okay, okay. Let's, uh, I know December 12th is a little far off, but it'd be good to get an answer on that one aspect anyway, that build that has stopped and nothing done for two years. Just before you go, can I just ask you, because I'm just curious about a story that's making the paper this morning. It involves, I think, Lorna Bogue of the Green Party. This is a Green proposal as well done in Waterford. It has to do with prayers and religious ceremonies and council. I think. Is that what that's all about? Do you know? Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, that, you know, they're looking for something to happen that to remove it or to go to a voice. No, Neil, I go to Mass. It's my 40 minutes of m- my time I, that I reflect. Um, I do stand, I do say the prayer, um, but people have the option just not to say the prayer and just to stay there and reflect for a minute after the prayer is said in council. Like, well, you know. What is the prayer in council? Oh, yes, it's no, it's not, I mean, it's not, it's not the Our Father or Hail Mary or something. No, 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 it's, no, it's, it's okay. actually, uh, no, it's, it's clear that said in all okay. um, local and national governments. And yeah. is, it a, yeah. is, it a, is it a Christian prayer, like a Catholic prayer? Yes, yeah. Okay, and do people want rid of it? I, I'd say if you put to a vote, it would be staying, being honest with yeah. you. Because well, they voted in Waterford to keep it, but Lorna Bogue was pointing at the crucifix or something, was she? What was, what was that about? I don't know, just crucifixes is, is, is in the chamber and I'd say if you checked every probably home, you, the majority of homes within the city would have some sort of religious you know um, artifact or item, you know Okay, so you, you you would be for leaving things as they are? Yeah, yeah because back in the, I suppose it's, uh, this all flared from the, the, the service that was held um, with the special meeting of council and you know, back in the day, I know Karen Spaxwini was very religious. You know, so this, yes, but less are now. That was a hundred years ago. Less are now religious. And I accept that. But you know, look, as I said earlier, I do go to mass, and I believe that's my forty minutes of time to myself to reflect on what I. You know, it's it, it, okay. I know you have the courage. Thank you for nailing your colours to the master. I appreciate that. But if somebody wasn't religious and didn't want to say the prayer or have a crucifix, are they just told to grin and bear it? Then is it? Well, the the, the moment reflection after the prayer is for those that don't want to say the prayer. You know, and everybody. And can I say this, Neil? Everybody stands for the prayer in the chamber when it's read out. Okay, but would it make more sense then to have 30 seconds of silence for which people could do whatever they wish within that 30 seconds in their own mind, in their own head? I have a feeling there's going to be a debate on this in the next council meeting and it's it's up to everybody to give what they believe in um, and what they want. Um, But again, you know, I just think... If you if you don't want to say the prayer, don't. But have your your reflection of the the minute or so that that that's put there, like you know. Okay, all right. Okay, would it go to a vote? Do you think? 
if Lorna wants to put that to a vote, she can put it to a vote. But you think she'd lose it? You think she'd lose I, it? I, I would think. I would think she would probably okay. lose it. Okay, I'll ask her later. I hope to have a call in, see if she'll come back to me. I've no left problem, voice message. Thanks for now, as always, yeah. Ken Collins, yeah, Fane uh, Councillor. I want to stay with the uh, council, if you don't mind. Labour Councillor John Marr joins me. John, good morning. You're quoted in the Echo this morning. Uh, you, you're, you're aware of that. Is there is there a, a lot of confusion um, regarding McCartan Street, Summerhill North, Summerhill North, and things like that? Uh, good good morning, Neil. Good. I don't think there's confusion, Neil, from from where where I was coming at. Uh, I was coming at it from just the illegal parking on um, on the new on the new streetscape that we've put in, and I, I've just been asking for enforcement. So I, I didn't see the echo this morning, um, but I do know that um, so where I was calling for from, t- you're calling for towing of vehicles ab- to be brought back. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, you know we have. The, the sheer um, the sheer neglect of, of, of drivers with the new bus lanes um, as somebody who gets the bus on the weekends it just it, it's crazy you know this isn't this isn't somebody going into the shop for five minutes or anything like this this is ours um, you know and I'm someone who uses the street and I just think that you know we've put a lot of money into the street and the surrounding areas this has been a massive project um, for the city um, it's a really positive one um, and I think for us to get the full benefit of it and then we need to we need to up the game when it comes to enforcement. And if that's ticketing or towing, then I would be in favour of of both. And um, in order to um, to stop the bad behaviour, you know, if you because if you do it if you do it in one street, before you know it, we'll have towing back, we'll have clamping back, and it'll be the scourge I, that it was twenty years ago again. I well, I. I, I didn't say clamping, so let's be very clear about that. But I think we need to stop bad behaviour. Like, Neil, if somebody... This is another form of antisocial behaviour. You know, buses can't get on time. There's people that need to get home. There's, there's people out in the rain. There's people that need to get to appointments. You know, this is a big knock-on effect. People going to work can't get about their, their job. Delivery people that want to pull into loading bays can't pull in. So, like, this is, this is having an effect on us already. So I don't have sympathy for somebody that's stopping somebody get to an appointment, stopping somebody do their job, stopping a delivery get on time. I'm not in favour of camping because camping does the same thing. It just keeps you there. But if we take it and get rid of the car, then I think that I think a lesson will be learned a lot that soon. Okay, okay. Um and that could be done. Does that need an extra new bylaw to be reintroduced or something too? Well, just... it needs funding, uh, Neil. It needs funding. You know what I mean? Because if the co- no, unless we outsource it and all that, but but I think the discussion needs to happen because this is happening not just in McCurtain Street and the surrounding areas. It's happening throughout the city, um, and it's something that you know. As a, again, I'm lucky. I use the bus for social experience and the social outings. There's people needed to get to work. No, that's fine, and, and it is it is a wrong thing to do because for lots of different reasons, including emergency vehicles, if they're impeding the route of an ambulance or a guard a car and a fire yeah, brigade. Yeah. But and, so you're saying that if there's any any cars or SUVs or anything like that that's parked illegally on double yellows anywhere, they should be towed. Are you saying? Well, you know, I suppose that's that's going to be that's going to be hard. Let's be honest. You know what I mean? We're not going to get every car everywhere. But if you're breaking the law and you're causing a massive, if you're causing a blockage, then yeah, you should be. Okay, okay. And tell me, tell me about the actual places where people are parking. Are they because McCurtain Street is is open to from Saturday traffic both ways? First time since 1968. Is as in all traffic can drive up and down it? Is it? They, they can, Neil, but but coming from different angles. 
you know what I mean so so you know it just there, there'll be a video go out this evening I've been assured by council that you know that but but, but cars can drive up as well as well as as well okay. as buses okay you know, although you, I did, you won't you, you, I'll just give you an example if you're coming down Summerhill North okay you won't be able to turn right up McCurtain Street right but, but if, if you're, you're coming up Brian Bruce Street you will be able, be able to, to turn, turn left at Coliseum so yeah. you know yeah. so that's I know. why I, I say that with a health warning just yeah. that you can get to it some ways but not others but how how is there even room for two way traffic because this got it's got widened footpaths it's got bike lanes it's got bus lanes is, is there even room for two way traffic yeah they're, they're, well, Neil, first of all, I'm only a councillor, I'm not an engineer. But right? you know what but I mean? I it's like, it. I'm just curious as to, will it work? I do, no, no, I, I, I trust the engineers. I've seen, I've been lucky enough just to be walking by. I've been on the street. I've seen two buses pass each other. Um, but but it's fundamental is that what we all need to do as as drivers, and um, in particular as drivers, is that we need to obey the lights. We need to obey the yellow boxes, you know, and we need to obey the parking laws because if one of us, doesn't this is going to have a knock-on effect and i think sometimes we we go to the bus the buses can fit that you know there's been trial runs they do fit but what will happen is that if cars sit in a yellow box there's nobody going anywhere if you take the the illegal right turn from york street there's no cars moving in Summerhill north because york street the traffic in york street are breaking the law yeah so then that's where, and 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 Neil, that's the fundamental point. Okay, is that we have people breaking the law, parking where we should so be. So back to those that are breaking the law. Where are they parking on McCurtain Street? Is it in a bus lane? Is it on a pedestrian area? Where it's it, 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 it has been in, in all of the above, Neil. In all of the above. So give and, them you know, a parking there, ticket, no? There, there's some no, 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 no. There, there hasn't been enough, in my opinion, because I've seen the behaviour over the last six or seven weeks, in particular. I've seen it in the evenings get very bad. Now, I was there yesterday evening. There there was Gardy on the beat, and it worked. You know, and, it was, and so the guys were there ticketing cars, is it? They were. I don't okay. think, I, my the impression I got yesterday is they were just there, you know, in, they were just there, you know, physically there. I, I think that was enough of a deterrent. That's That would have been my unscientific experience of just walking up and down the street. Okay. But you're like, if it's, quiet, if it's walk, quiet at night and... Uh, if they're not getting anybody's way, let them park there. No, no. I I, I don't I don't agree, Neil. Okay. I I believe I believe that street and the money that we put in was there to benefit everyone, to benefit the businesses, to benefit pedestrians, pedestrians, to benefit um, people on mobility aids. I so that they can yeah. Navigate the street in a safe way. And the idea now, and, and I've had all the videos sent to me. We've had. We've had cars, and I don't care if you're, you know, a Fiat Panda, if you're the biggest SVU, you can't reverse up a footpath in any street in Cork. It just, in any street anywhere. Yeah. You yeah. just can't do it when, when there's pedestrians around. And the businesses, I mean, anyone in McCurtain Street will tell you it's just fantastic. Cobra Street, a really pleasant experience. And the streetscape is, is benefiting this experience. And the idea now that you just have cars coming up when we've outside dining and the cars left running and the fumes are blown into you, you're paying X amount of money on. So on, you, on could a be, nice you could be car. doing outside dining in the spring, for instance, with a car packed up, parked up against your table, kind of thing. Okay, yeah. You could yeah. potentially, you know, and you've right. all those fumes going into you, and you know that's you know that that, that it does frustrate me. It frustrates me number one as somebody who uses the area, who is that person potentially that will be having his coffee on a Sunday morning, and the fumes running into you and you're like this is beautiful but that's not 
Okay, okay. Yeah. Just, 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 be, just before I let you go, like 30 seconds on whether or not there should be a prayer or a religious reflection at Cork City Council. Your thoughts on that? There, there shouldn't be. Um, I, I go to Mass. Um, I get a lot of, I get a lot from reflection and prayer um, and it does me a lot of good. But I appreciate that others, it doesn't work for them. And I would say for that reason, let's, let's reflect. Uh, when, I, when the prayer is said and we reflect, I, uh, I go, right, what can I do tonight to make a difference for the area I represent? I'm thankful for everything I have, but I think I can do that in silence. Um, and I do pray, I do go to Mass, but I can appreciate others not wanting it or, or not, that not being their belief. And I, I believe in the Ireland and the Cork that we're in today. I think we can look after everybody. And I think a moment reflection would, 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 would do that. OK, thanks for that. Much obliged to you, as always. Right. Labour Councillor John Maher. Back after the break, text 086-8104-106. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Cork's Red FM. Big changes for McCurtain Street and some of the uh, ancillary routes around it. Uh, Tony operates a fleet of vans delivering to food outlets in the city and gets uh, something in the region of 800 to 1,000 Mura in parking fines in the last six months. Tony, good morning. Neil, how are you doing? Good. So where are we at then with those parking in loading bays, people parking in lines of traffic on McCurtain Street? The suggestion is they should be towed away. Well, <laughs> towing away is okay to say, like, provided you can get somebody in to tow them away, you know? Yeah. Um, that's, hey. only, that's, that's not really going to fix the problem because you're putting another vehicle into McCartan Street. Like, McCartan Street is ongoing an awful lot of works there lately and made a beautiful job of it. So I went down there the morning for a look again and um, there are quite a few 15-minute uh, sit-down spaces. There are one or two loading bays. Um, the biggest problem again with the loading bays is anyone with a commercial vehicle can park them. For how long? For up to 20 minutes. They can park them for up to 20 minutes. So if you're driving a commercial vehicle, a small van... Um, you know, a Fiesta type van, anything commercial, and it's easy to identify their commercial. They either have no seats in the back or else they're on 333 euro a year tax. These guys can use these loading bays. I've said it before and I'm saying it again. We got a, the council got to rebrand these bays as delivery bays. Um, that you were, people use them for deliveries, the likes of the DHL, DPDs, all these guys. They can go in, sit there for 20 minutes, get their deliveries done, and get out. Um, yeah, but, I, but I'm, I heard a texter tells me that you could have people doing painting and decorating parked up in the bay all day and they're off doing their work and they're parked in the bay. Yeah, well, if the, um, if the traffic wardens see that the car is there for more than 20 minutes, yeah, they will do them, right? But there's, there's a lot of smart guys around the place and what they're doing, they'll move their car from one loading bay or their van from one loading bay to another loading bay and so on and so forth. Um, it's going to lead it's going to like uh, I got two two more fines again last month now I encourage my drivers not just two I definitely will not tolerate parking in a disabled uh, bay or parking in um, on a cycleway right and but like what do we do what do we do we, we deliver frozen products so as you can imagine there's a lot of um, restaurants and bars that serve food on McCartan Street they made a lovely job of it um, but we can't get the goods a lot of these guys they don't open at 10, 11 o'clock in the morning because they're open, they're, they're open late at night Yeah. so they can't receive their goods until then we deliver in frozen product so where are we supposed to park you go down to Patrick's Key there are sit down areas there there are very short uh, loading bays there um, again if you put an 18 ton truck into a loading bay it takes up most of it um, 
But then Sorry, maybe maybe 18-ton trucks shouldn't be delivering into a city as tight as Cork City. They should have smaller fleets, no? Okay. I'm glad you said that, Neil. Um, we're all trying to do our bit for this carbon footprint. An 18-ton truck will go into the city once. Uh, the equivalent to carry the same capacity as an 18 truck is four vans. Four large vans. All right, we'll get the 18-ton truck in there at 6 o'clock in the morning, so instead of trying to get in yeah, at 11 or 12 midday. Yeah, that's perfect. But the shop key, the shop owners then have to open up at six o'clock in the morning. The restaurant opens. That's oh, their problem. They want to have somebody on. They want to have somebody on the premises at six a.m. to take deliveries. That's their problem. That is their problem, one hundred percent. But they don't look at our way. It's the transport company I work work on behalf of um, these supply companies. So I'm stuck in the middle. So you know, the, but the bottom line of all is, I know until that changes, you're dealing with what you have. Yeah. Yeah, but it's very, very simple. These loading bays are abused. They're there for the purpose of making deliveries to the city and there are people using them. You can go in and park in one of those for 20 minutes. Go in and grab a cup of coffee as long as you No, I can't because I don't have a commercial vehicle. But are you saying cars are and SUVs are? Cars, SUVs, because there are quite a number of SUVs and they're, uh, they're commercially registered, right? So they aren't tight to park. And are they off like having a coffee or a macchiata somewhere with their pals? Yeah, in a lot of cases, yeah. You go down the Grand Parade there, right? And there's an awful lot of del- deliveries being done down there to the English market, right? The, the, these guys then will run top-ups top throughout the day there, especially in the busy time. So I guarantee you, if you go down the Grand Parade and take one look on the left-hand side, you'll find it very, 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 very difficult to get a parking job <laughs> <to do your laughs> deliveries. My wife was shopping on Washington Street there about a week ago, and I was picking her up inside in town, right? It was absolutely lashing rain. So she had to walk from Washington Street, because you can't stop on Washington Street. And I came down onto the Grand Parade, and there was a load of space open in the loading bays, and I knew that I was only pulling in for 30 seconds, Right. I knew it because she was actually walking towards me. This big van, I won't say whether it was meat or fish or chicken, it was one of the three from the English market, came in behind me, lights flashing, horn blowing. I can tell you one thing, I wasn't long moving out of the loading bay. Ah, uh, yeah, but look, you, you, you know, you shouldn't have to do that either. Like, no, I shouldn't have been there, but he, he was taking no prisoners there, I can tell you. They can give as good as they get. Oh, listen, there's no finding him as good as they are. It's like the parking points are the issues and the abuse of the loading base, you know. As I said, now, coming up to Christmas, like, it's going to be virtually impossible. So, like, what our guys try and do there, sometimes they double pack, whatever, which they can get, that's where our fines are coming from. They might double pack or they might maybe put a wheel up in the footpath, whatever the case may be. And that's where we're getting the fines. You shouldn't be fined for that. You just try and do your job quickly. We're just trying to get our job done quickly, right? As I said, like, it's, it's just... The, there's a lot of the loading bays then there are only smaller spaces probably the size of one van right Like uh, all, all these places they need to extend these things and take a look at them they are sit down areas where you can sit down for 15 minutes like why would, why would you need to sit down for 15 minutes you'd be in and out in less than 5 alright good points thanks for making them Tony text 0868104106 pick it up after 10 that and lots more after 10 now Show. Red FM. And it's day four of our giveaways with Celtic Interiors. Boy, we had some fun yesterday on the air playing talk on a topic. We had two prize winners yesterday. Celtic Interiors just got on and said, give two prizes away. They're a great cause. So we got uh, a deluxe hamper to give away again today and tomorrow an opportunity to win a €2,000 spend in Celtic Interiors at St. Patrick's Woolen Mills in Douglas. Fair play to them. 30th anniversary uh, this week and they're having a big open day on Friday afternoon. Afternoon, and I'll tell you more about that a little later on. But yesterday, Tracy Mackesy and Cove and Sarah O'Donovan and Clonakilty both 
got a hamper from Celtic Hampers sorry from Celtic Interiors and it could be your opportunity to win one of the hampers today so more on that later on right I'll get back to calls but already swamped with texts on different topics I started this morning talking about who's going to be the next manager of the Irish soccer team should it be Roy Keane Uh, bring back Mick McCarthy says the great Liam Lally bring back Mick McCarthy I don't know what Mick McCarthy's doing these days, to be honest with you. Soccer wouldn't be my first sport. Keane is a true, homegrown Cork Langer. He should question his own Irishness. Where was he when his country needed him? Walking his dog. There were prouder Irishmen on Cricklewood Broadway 50 years ago, looking for work. <laughs> I just loved it. Mick McCarthy won. Keane zero, says John. Neil, I should say. One, one zero, just not proper soccer parlance. <laughs> Incidentally, I don't agree with you. I don't agree with you. But I'm happy to read out your text nonetheless. Stephen Kenny did his very best with very limited resources, says Mike. You are missing the point, Neil. I suppose as usual, I'm missing the point. If Keno got the job, the stadium would be full. It's all about bums on seats. The FAI is broke. They need to wake up. Well, what are you talking about missing the point? I want Roy Keane as the next Ireland manager. Why can't Roy take over? He will be part of a management team. He would bring more profile to the job and the team would step up um, by the way Rory referenced Arteta as a top manager who openly behaves like a clown on the sideline um, and uh, but uh, give me a break Kino or Carsley for me or both um, I feel Brian Barry Murphy should be considered for the Ireland job or at least part of the setup. also he's the son of Jimmy Barry Murphy says David in Tracton well if he's anything like his dad he must be a lovely, lovely guy and well-talented. Um, you're so right about Kino. He's old... Oh, sorry. No, I'm not so right. Um, maybe it's uh, as Kevin and, to an extent, Rory are right. He's old school and arrogant and possibly because of the way he went into football, he went to the top and I suppose he thought he could throw his weight around. You can't talk down to people like that anymore. He's probably a nice guy for sure, but not a manager, I'd say. He might have come down off his high horse now. We'll have to wait and see, but certainly not management material. Uh, Here's an interesting one now. There's somewhat a biased loyalty to Roy Keane, and rightly so, from the People's Republic of Cork. There are valid points on both sides of the argument in reference to whether Roy should be considered for the Ireland job. In fairness, he's a leader through and through, and this argument about whether he's fit Uh, whether he fits the modern day dressing room is really nothing short of nonsense. I think that there is this misconception by some people that Roy is old school and not with the times just because he played soccer two decades ago. He's an intelligent man who knows exactly how the modern game is played and won. He is analysing the game day in, day out, week in, week out and the truth is He's far more aware of player management and psychological considerations surrounding player development and player welfare than a lot of people give him credit for. Yes, he's a straight shooter, holds nothing back, and for some people this seems to cause offence. Not directly because of what he said, but more so to do with the fragile egos and the lack of resilience that is so generally common in today's generation. He has the qualifications just as much as any previous manager and it would be great to give him full reign and see how it unfolds. He could select who he wants 
uh, develop a culture how he sees fit, hire a staff and a team around him that will complement the vision. Um, and he has very few fans. Sorry, uh, one other paragraph here. Just looking for the full stop. Hire a staff and yeah. develop a style of play that he believes will progress the boys in green and just simply do it his way. However, one consideration that might be overlooked at the moment is the FAI itself. It would seem that Roy has very few fans at that top table. And one final one on the topic of Keane. The guy earlier hasn't a clue what he's on about. He glazed over the great work Keane did at Sunderland, then drops names like Arteta, who accomplished very little in a short managerial career. And there's lots more like that on Keane and what have you. And text like see a lot then on the north side and regeneration and housing and lack of it, all that and lots more besides. But back to the phone lines we go, James, good morning, thank you for holding. James, can Hello. you hear me alright? Talking about traffic yeah. this morning and um, whether or not uh, towing should be brought back in. Your thoughts? Towing? Yeah, for people parking illegally, say with regards to the new development of McCurtain Street, just parking in a, a lane of uh, what should be used for, for traffic and just abandoning their vehicles, should they be towed away? Like they've already had what nearly half a million in parking charges last year. Yeah, they're very good at parking fines, very bad at litter fines. But go on anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, McCurtain Street is it's sixty eight. It went one way, was it? Nineteen sixty eight. Yeah. Was that something like that? I think I heard you saying. Yesterday. It was nineteen sixty eight. Was the last time you could drive both ways. Yeah. 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 And the, the the landscape has changed somewhat since that. It's much narrower now. It's got wider yeah, footpaths. It is, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like most of the towns in Ireland that have been narrowed and concreted. I mean, there was how much was spent on trips last year in the insurance? How much insurance was spent uh, was paid out on people tripping? I don't have the figure per year, but I can. Big. Yeah, it was. Well, I, I, the last one I had was like a ten-year figure, and it was four and a half million or something like that. But anyway, go on. And around the country, you have the best of footpaths in small rural towns where there's nobody walking. So there's an agenda here to cause as much inconvenience as possible for motorists. It's quite obvious. They don't want motorists in the city. That's the thing. They don't want motorists in the city. On Keegan, who I think has retired since, uh, and, and, and the Green Party have uh, said regularly, we have to aggressively stop vehicles from going into the city centre. Cars, sorry, cars. One is the city centre. So the Greens don't want cars inside in the city and the Greens don't want crucifixes or prayers inside in city council. They're busy these days with things that really matter. Well, if you remember this time last year, they gave a similar present to the city. They, call, they caused the chaos on the quay. I, one evening I spent 55 minutes getting across the city and it was coming up to Christmas last year. Remember they changed Patrick's Quay, they narrowed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was this time last year. Took an entire year. lane so, out of it actually, yeah. What you've got to think is, Eamon Ryan is now actively promoting the Croom Bypass, right? Why? Because um, it's brilliant. No. What's happening there in 2027? The McCroom Bypass. The Croom Bypass. Oh, no, I know nothing about the Croom one. That's in the County he, Limerick. He has suddenly really jumped off the stool and he has started promoting the Croom Bypass. Now, this is the man that has pulled three bypasses already in the country. He's promoting this one to be done for 2027. Anyway, what, what, what's forget about the Croom Bypass. What do you make of the McCroom Bypass? Oh, the McCroom Bypass is brilliant, yeah. Okay. Well, no, what's, no, what, what, I'm saying what, on that tonight, sorry, if I can for a minute, on that one. Why is he promoting that one who was against bypasses? Because the, the Ryder Cup is coming to Croom in 2027. So he has two sides to it. He's coming to a dare, apparently. A dare, yeah. yes, a yeah. dare. Yeah. So he, that's right. Like, I mean, he, he's not consistent. 
What do you make no, of the Macron bypass? Um, I'm curious now because I timed it at the weekend. I didn't break one single speed law. I followed 100 at 100 and 120 when I should do. And I did all the right things. And I got from Douglas to um, the sign, you know, just to the outskirts of Killarney. Yes. In 57 minutes going and 55 minutes coming home. Is that good? I would say that's quite good. Yeah, the last time I did it, I did it 15 minutes less to Killarney than than normal. That's without any serious traffic congestion. Okay. In, in, so the McCroom bypass saves motorists on average 15 minutes each way. Is that is that good value for money? Of course it is, and what it also says is the frustration after getting out of that mirror of traffic where people speed up to try and make up time. Yeah, it's a more consistent, steady drive. I get you there. But yeah. all of that money for 15 minutes? Seriously? Well, that's the other side of it. That's the other side of it. But I mean, they can just go and spend that much money on various transport madness and then they do something like what they do in McCartan Street. Is there any justifiable reason for uh, any proof to say that that's going to help traffic flow? It's going to do the opposite, isn't it? We'll have to wait and see. But it still took you 55 minutes. It took you the same distance. It took you 55 minutes, which is the same time to get to Killarney, to get from the CUH into Cork City Centre. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry, you, yeah. You'd have been in Killarney at the same time. Like there was people blowing at each other, they were waving fists, they were shaking phones, they were getting out of cars. I remember that, that was last, probably early December last year, where I was coming from CUH across to go across the Blackpool. Beautiful, it's a beautiful city nonetheless, but it was never designed for all of these cars. Should The problem is, like, homes now have three cars in the driveway. Do you know what I'm saying? It was never that way before. No, 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 no. But like, I mean, they have narrowed so much of the country now with road, with footpaths, cycleways, and various other all right. Notions like it doesn't that. Help. It doesn't help. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. Thank you, James. Sean, good morning. Hi, dear Lloyd. All right. Uh, McCurtain Street um, and traffic in the city in general. Remember the days when we had clamping and towing? Uh, not with any great fondness, no. No, no. Yeah. It was people power got rid of that. But I wonder the things flowing off. That's uh, a bad example to give because back then, of course, we didn't have this um, this infestation of cycle lanes and wide footpaths. But, but anyway, it's your yeah. show. Go ahead. Yeah, well, no, I just had checked out McCurtain Street early days and there seems to be a preponderance of these trees, you know. Nobody loves nature more than myself, but there seems to be a proliferation of them. They're in these kind of metal box structures. But if they freed up a bit of space, I think it would give um, customers and delivery people and set-down areas, I would just think make, make business a bit easier. I, I cannot for the life of me see how with restaurants struggling, retail struggling, city centre struggling, and you have a fellow paying two or three hundred quid a week on parking tickets just to, to get supply restaurants. It's, in, it's insanity. Just think about it. I am thinking about it, how beautiful yeah. trees are and how important they are to city streetscapes. Forgive me, I don't agree with you. Well, I like the trees. Possibly, yeah. possibly on a wide street like we did have, like the South Mall or something, there was plenty of room for trees and parking and business and traffic. But when you shrivel up the streets into little boreens and then slap artificial trees in the middle of it, it does tend to make things rather constrained. Yeah, um, we don't seem to have any town parks. We have the the people park. It just just seems like there's a place for these things. It seems more to me there should be a certain amount of space. Even sit down. Nobody is expecting to park there for the day, or even have it if it's not a delivery vehicle. If it's a private vehicle, even. Put a put a codicil on it that the driver that the driver could be present 
he's dropping someone, he's picking something up, somebody's bringing... No private car belongs in a loading bay, mine included, incidentally. So I'm on set-down areas, have the whole clear. I've seen it in British cities, they have it in the Federal Tinder, they've set-down, and people don't abuse it. But you see, but like if, if council make an effort to put in set-down areas, and you've seen other ones in the city, they're called 15-minute parking areas, so they're yeah. trying to make an effort for people to get in and out fast, but they're being slapped in the face by people abusing that. Yeah, but there's so few of them. Even look at McCurtain Street. There's more trees than parking. And there's a place for trees, but not in the not on busy streets that people need. I even heard, like, a couple of the retailers, there's a barber on the paper today. There was the guy from Salvage M. I could just feel his frustration a, a, a few weeks ago. He mentioned, he said, I wouldn't mind if they had somebody, if somebody was picking something up outside from my shop that they could actually pull up for 30 seconds. He doesn't even have that privilege. No, and I believe now, that sometimes people have to carry like heavy stuff from his shop, if I'm correct. Yeah. So, like, they can't yeah. walk long distances. Yeah. yeah, or even get down to deliveries. You could, that, that, as that man said, there's, there's not enough space. Is there? Right. Get rid of those trees. Put them on the roof or something. Or, 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 or you know, put a, like of, yeah, put a couple of robot trees there. What do you think, Sean? Yeah, they, yeah, they can. They get. They cannot seem to get nature right. We've we've no parks, but we've we've trees where we we've no trees where we want them, and we have a, a preponderance of them where they're not wanted. Okay, let me talk to a taxi driver because they know everything about everything. Paul, good morning. How's it going, Neil? All right. Uh, heads wrecked, I suppose, is it? Trying to get about the city as taxi ranks as well. They're parking in them. Well, the whole thing revolves down to, to enforcement across the board with everything, in my opinion. Um, you should see Sundays in the ranks. I could, I could name 10 lads now in my, in my game who will refuse to work on a Sunday because you're going out of here to go to, go to work to provide a service to people who need it, um, and elderly people in particular, and people park in the ranks and when people come to the ranks there's no taxi there because we'll just have to drive on and we you know on a, on a Sunday going into work you're guaranteed an argument more than one in most occasions you're in the guards I've written, we've, written, we've written letters to the guards no, no, no cooperation and probably the biggest kick in the cojones would be when you're in sun, on, a, on a Sunday or any day inside in Patrick Street which is not supposed to any private cars and there's private cars parking on front of you during the, the shut-off period. Do you understand what I mean? When, what do you mean shut-off period? The, the, the 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock so, so period. So blow the horn. Time to get out of it. But that's when that, then you're into the world of... That sounds once. That's once, Granny. What happens if it's happening four and five times an hour every day? Just keep, blowing, day. Just keep blowing at them to move. But then you're into the world of threats sitting oh, yeah. at you. yeah. Shouting and roaring at you, threatening violence. Which I go threatening you with violence on Sunday. He's parked, he's parked in a taxi zone, and he's yes. threatening you with violence. Yes, I'm spitting at you. So he actually you spat at you. Did he spat yes. at you. Yes, yes. But you see, the problem is Neil. This is where it gets. This is where it gets really sticky. Imagine living with uh, that individual. He hasn't got the brain in his yes. head to know that he can't park in a taxi yes. zone, and then spits yes. at a human being when they chastise him. Yes, and how would you fancy Neil that Cork people in particular, older people, they'll buy the heaviest product last, the market, the vegetables, the meat. Then they assume there's going to be a taxi in the rank by the fountain, in the rank by Abracababra, whatever. And then they come out, and because that's after happening five minutes earlier, there is no taxi there. So you've got no person, a mobility person with a wheelchair, a walker, and they can't, or people with a buggy, with children. And there's no taxi there. Why? Because some gobshites have to park it inside. The I, th- I just think that you're no too. I think you're too patient. The taxi drivers. You're just too quiet. But yes, but here's one thing you see is we're too patient. But I'll tell you why. The 
every the, the, the law about driving in a bus lane or whatever it's a law it's a bylaw in the city that's to be enforced but they don't enforce some laws I had it I did, I did an NCT in a taxi NCT last week very stressful time for taxi drivers because you, you lose your job if, if all your ducks aren't in a row as regards your your safety kit and whatever and you have to have everything to 100% not 99% 100% so they can enforce that law against us but they can't enforce a law like, I rang Anglesey Street five times on, on, on Sunday. No reply. Okay. There's no wardens on Sunday, is there? No. But no, yet Sunday is the most abused day, is it? Yes, exactly. Okay. And, and, and also, and again, you have to kind of give, a give and take on both sides. People are also stressed. Some people, Sunday is their only day. Cork City Council, though, issued 53,120 fixed-charge penalties for on-street parking from August 2022 to July, in a calendar, well, not a calendar year, August 2022 to July 23, like in a 12-month period, 53,000 fines. So they're fairly active. They are indeed. And all I'll say to you is that I, myself personally, and you're going to ask them this, and I'm not the only one, will you give a warden the the summer days, a bottle of Coke, a, 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 a bottle of water, they're absolutely fantastic people. I can't say any more about that. They're fantastic people. They put up a terrible, terrible abuse as well. They, they could issue 10 times that amount if they weren't giving leeway to people. And I mean that. They'll yeah. give people a break. But people, people, human beings, being human beings, give a person an inch, you'll take a thousand miles. Yeah. But what I will say to you is the demographic of taxi drivers is getting older in the city and guys are just basically throwing their hat at it. And guys are saying, so just a bit of consideration, cooperation with people. Everyone, everyone's trying to make a living. Okay, however, far be it for me to criticise taxi drivers because I have great time and respect for them. But uh, I got a photograph sent here, and I think it's from a bus. Um, and yeah. uh, the bus driver sent me the photograph. He says, that man talking about taxi drivers, uh, they're as bad. And he sent me a photograph. Apparently what happened was, there was a taxi. I have it here in front of me. I have the plate of it. Yes. It's parked outside. It's parked right in the middle of a bus stop, right? Yes. Bus car pulls up behind, asks your man uh, to move, and he got mm. the two fingers out the window from the taxi driver. Yes. So what do you, yes. how would you respond to that? Two fingers from a taxi I respond to that if you can, at anything, if I sat here out at half past 10 in the morning, by 6 o'clock this evening, I could send a thousand photographs to you what bus they're doing inside in the city. I'm not, I'm not involved in a game of what, what, what a votary. That's not my style. Okay. But why then, didn't, why don't you take, yeah. if that guy spat at you, right, that's, a, that is, yes. that's assault. Why didn't you take the number of the car and ring the guards? Done, done, done. It ring the guards, I rang them five times on Sunday, Neil. Didn't answer the phone. Five different occasions for five different yes. incidents. Um, at one stage, Neil, I was in the middle of it on Sunday, because there's only about ten taxis walked to Sunday during the day now at the moment. Yeah. I was in the middle of it with a guy by Abracabra again, and a squad, a squad car passed by and looked at me and drove on. No, I don't want to be in the game at the guards or going elsewhere. I know that's, that's a first world problem. I understand that totally. They've other jobs to do. There's one part things in life, but it's not nice. I wrote, I, I can show you a letter I got from the superintendent in Balancholic. Like it's the traffic's core headquarters in Balancholic. And I have a letter from the superintendent saying they'll, they'll look into it. Do you think they'll look into it? No. Yeah. Okay. Done. okay. It's, enfor- it's enforcement. You, you could start from a Curtin Street to every single thing wardens, enforcement. Human beings are creatures of habit. They'll only learn if they suffer. And, and that's across the board with, and that's including taxi drivers because there's none of us any angels we've all done different things there's no one there's no one an angel 
But, but you see, motorists feel, motorists is fine. I know what you're saying with bus drivers and taxi drivers, but motorists feel they're not welcome in the city, that, you know, that it's not easy for them to come in in their cars, that not everybody wants to get a bus or a park and ride or yeah. a taxi. They want to be able to get in, do what they want to do fast and get out. And uh, Maybe need to see what's wrong in this country. There's people being paid huge money who, who they make decisions on everything, from the trees to parking. All you have to do is think back to that minister who couldn't use the parking, the parking uh, garage because he'd never used it before. <laughs> They never asked taxi drivers once, question our bus drivers probably, why didn't someone go up to, up to, up to Capwell and ask them for their input into it? All right. Okay. Probably didn't. Why didn't they ask us? They didn't. Why didn't they ask, why didn't they ask people who owned, who owned the shops, the chipper yeah. owners, the bouncers even, to ask someone who walks the city centre? Mind your blood season. pressure on Sundays, hear me? Uh, <laughs> we are sure. You are good. You can't kill no. You can't kill everything. You have right. to Take care, Steph. Take care. Much obliged. Text 0868104106, uh, McCartan Street. Uh, they don't think of the residents when making all of these different plans. I live on the Old Yall Road on the Richmond Hillside. Again, we struggle to even get out of our estate with the volume of traffic blocking up the roads in the morning because of the McCartan Street change. But yet we can't drive down Patrick's Hill to get onto McCartan Street. And we as residents, the Old Yall Road, Richmond Hill, areas like that, find it very frustrating. And that's not the only one. I live on Wellington Road and because of these changes to McCartan Street, I can't get a park anywhere. And at times I've had to park on double yellow and I end up getting a parking ticket and I live here. Ask the councillors why there's only one loading bay on McCartan Street. They're decorating, there are decorating vans parked in the loading bay all days uh, and drivers like myself are trying to deliver and we get ticketed. Um, yeah, somebody else is suggesting if there's, um, you know, issues with regards to fumes on McCartan Street, just put a robot tree there. Boom, boom. I bet they didn't make any room for loading bays. I feel sorry for the guys trying to maintain systems on McCartan Street as they can't get near the place. Um, councillors have just a one-track mind. Uh, Cork City Council's think is, how do we stop people coming into the city? We cancel the turning on of the Christmas lights. We ban gatherings over 20,000 people. We leave the city roaming with heroin addicts, gangs and drunk people. And we have no public toilets. And she will bring back towing now and perhaps even clamping. They just don't want people in the city centre, uh, says Desi. Uh, text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. A piece of audio that I ran earlier on regarding Cliff Richard when he was asked by um, the TV presenter Alison Hammond uh, whether or not he ever had a photograph or met him. And he said no. He had an opportunity to. He declined the photograph because uh, he said that Cliff Richard was carrying, or sorry, that Elvis Presley at the time was carrying much too much weight and he didn't want a photograph of maybe a larger um, uh, my words, not his, uh, Cliff Richard uh, Marion says, Cliff Richard should never have said that, some people feel bad enough trying to lose weight and Alison Hammond herself cried over her weight issues. I played that audio and mentioned it because we'd been talking about that uh, earlier in the week, among other things. We were talking about um, a chap who was saying, I think it was Patrick, was saying that he's fallen out of love with his partner because uh, she'd put on way too much weight. How could he tell her, how could he speak to her um, and maybe encourage her to lose weight? An awful lot of people said that she should dump him. Uh, that you should love the person, not the weight. Uh, sometimes making the comment is the push people need to lose weight. Uh, this is a guy that thinks he's entitled to two seats uh, on an aeroplane. Um, I'm not quite sure what you mean by that, uh, but um, falling away to an elephant, Neil, is probably the one thing that's been cruel to be kind. Uh, no, I think that's a derogatory term. You're, you walk up to somebody who's carrying weight, even if it's a friend, and say you're falling away to an elephant. 
Maybe she really be an ex-friend for saying something like that. Uh, I'm a size 14, so I would think that I'm quite average, but I do tend to carry my weight around my stomach area. I've had people on numerous occasions congratulate me on being pregnant. Every time I want to burst into tears with the awkwardness of having to say that I'm not pregnant. I already feel very self-conscious and to top it all off, I am someone struggling to conceive and have gone through IVF. The people who have made these comments include family, friends, customers and strangers. I sit in the car and cry every time. Like seriously, unless told, people should never presume someone is pregnant. Um, don't give up my details. I'm self-conscious enough as it is. I won't, but I do agree with you. Nobody should ever uh, take a guess and congratulate somebody on being pregnant. You should never say that unless you already know that they are. Back in the day when we were young, we had an aunt who would tell us in her best Kerry accent, you've got awful strong. That was her way of telling us we'd put on weight. It was funny. We're all supermodels now, says Eilish ex-Brosna in Kerry now in Tallow County Waterford you've got awful strong was the Kerry way of telling you you'd put on weight uh, one or two others um, was talking about the raising the PRSI more taxes to come over the next five years uh, John says the raising of the PRSI is to pay for the people that we're bringing into Ireland it's costing us 5 million euro a day we've already seen 2 billion taken away from the HSE may be given to asylum seekers and refugees. With corporation tax down, which it isn't actually, it's up, uh, they need another way to fund the open border policy. The government would be better off giving tax breaks to families that have more kids, where families with more than two kids would see them paying 20% less, des- less tax to help them to survive. Um, interesting. Uh, Thomas Gould came into office and he really did nothing for the north side. We were talking about housing. How many houses were built during his years in office? It's grand for Sinn Féin to come out now with the numbers when they stayed quiet like pups for so many years. I think the figure uh, is probably around about 99 houses for Nochnehini but probably significantly more for the entire north side. I'd have to get the figure for all of the north side. I think, I think maybe... It's, e- it's easy to criticise Sinn Féin, right? Because they're not in government, they're in opposition. So they can very much just sit themselves and criticise everything. Uh, but for people that criticise them, it's probably not 100% accurate to criticise them because they are in opposition. But if they were in government, and probably will be, uh, I think one of their policies is housing. And I think if Sinn Féin could, they'd have houses for everybody. Um, as in loads and loads and loads of affordable housing and public authority housing and all sorts of things like that. But one of the ways that they would get that is they come after people who've worked hard or had a few money or have money in the bank or have done well in life. So that's the problem. You have to kind of like, you have to weigh up on one hand what they want to do on the other hand, how are they going to do it and who are they going to take the money off to get it done? And the worry there is for anybody that has been successful or done well in life and got up early in the morning in the middle of the winter scraped frost off the car windscreen and went to work that's the worry that they'll come after those people to pay for it all regarding those houses on the north side I pass them every day 95% of them are finished others are about 50% finished while some are just 25% started it's my understanding that's been two or three different builders have gone into that site over the years I've been told there's an issue with subsidence some of the houses had to be propped up. Well, I don't know. I think I don't know what the story is with the builders. They were there. They're not there anymore. 
I don't know anything to do with subsidence, but the only thing about subsidence is you can correct that at least. And then one on council prayers as to whether there should be prayer at council meetings. Regarding the prayers at the council, what other council body anywhere in the world would change centuries-old traditions just to please a minority? What's the story in court now? If you have to swear an oath that you're going to tell the truth, you don't have to do it on the Bible anymore. You don't. You can just do one that's not a kind of a, a religious oath, if you like. Correct me if I'm wrong. Or do you have to swear on a Bible in court? Having not had to swear on a Bible any time recently, uh, I'm not quite sure myself. But I'm sure somebody listening will tell me, uh, is that still the case? Or has it actually changed uh, within court where before it was always you had to swear on a Bible. I think you probably wouldn't now because you'd have all sorts of issues with people in that regard. So text me on that one. Text 0868104106. Gráinne, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Um, I I literally now have about 15 A4 pages of stuff to do with yesterday's (laughs) programme regarding black and dirty water for which Irish water are found wanting and responsible. So I'm not going to get to read them all out. Um, Maybe you could sum it all up for me. Go ahead. Hi Neil, well this all started for us first of all I'm in Dublin Hill uh, and we started getting dirty water around November last year and it went on really badly around Christmas and in in the rest of the winter cleared up a little bit during the summer and started up again there around September Um, it's particularly bad at the moment we're getting um, dirty water and you're talking about black water maybe once or twice a week sometimes sometimes it could be for the whole day sometimes it's, it's just run your tap and it's gone but it's constant. Then you ring up Irish Water. Uh, if you ring up, first of all, they don't want to take a complaint. They fob you off. They don't give you a complaint number. And um, so I started messaging and I started emailing. And with is that, it I a call centre? Do you number. think it's a call centre? I suppose. Oh God, absolutely. And they're just reading out from their scripts. They're getting no information really. And um, so I started messaging again. You're getting the script back every time. And so I tried to escalate. Very, very difficult to escalate for Irish Water. But in the end, what you do is you send off an email to operations at water.ie. Um, I've gotten one or two answers from them. Uh, again, very much fobbing off. No real information on it. And sometimes they just totally ignore you. So I think I have at the moment um, nine complaint numbers. Um, Irish Water will not see it as a continuous complaint they see every incident as one incident. Yeah. So they're saying they're saying that they're saying you'll that, that that you'll thank them in the end when everything is modernized, whenever that will be. A <laughs> hundred years time. That's great, Neil. Like but the I was on, on to somebody who called me the other day and they said, Oh, it's a hundred and fifty year old system and you know, and I kinda of going, Yeah, but it was hundred and forty nine years last year and we didn't have an issue. And um, my family uh, we've only moved in here three years ago, but my fa- my uh, husband's family has been here since the 30s, and they've never had issues like this. It's only really been in the last year. Um, we've continuously complained. There's three or four in a row that are being continuously complaining. And when you spoke, speak to Irish Water, they're telling us, oh, there's nobody else in your area has an issue. That is not true. That is every suburb on the north side and considerable amount of them on the south side have brown and black and dirty water. That is not true what they're telling you. Absolutely. And like we, we talk to people, you talk to people on the bus or in the shops, whatever, they all have issues. But when you ring up Irish Water, they don't record it as a complaint. So it's like you're ringing up for an information or an inquiry. It's not recorded as a complaint. Okay, and we cover that ground. So on day-to-day living, how do you cope with regards to cooking or cleaning or showering or turning on a washing machine or a dishwasher and stuff? 
Well, well, I'll tell you, Neil, I actually um, power washed my yard the other day. So, you know, you're a bit manky coming in from that. I had things in my hair and everything. Went into the shower. The shower ran brown. I thought it was from the um, what I had been doing in the yard. And that just run, and I still had brown water after about five minutes. It's you're standing in that trying to get clean, and it's not, it's, not, it's impossible. Um, you're drinking water out of a kettle. You have to check, check. You pour from the tap. You have to check it's clean before you drink it. Um, you, we have bottled water constantly. Um, I have. Oh, so that's an expense um, now. Oh, totally. I have ten bottles of uh, two liter water on my counter at the moment, waiting to be used. Um, you're, uh, you're giving wash to the dog. You're making a cup of tea. You have to check it constantly. But hold on a minute. How many, how many bottles of two liter water? How many? Um, five. Is I'd it? I'd say yesterday we went through about four or five. Yesterday. Okay, so that's what are they each? They'd easily be uh, one fifty or two euro for each. Yeah, I, well, you, we're kind of trying to buy in bulk at the moment, so it's a little bit cheaper. But, okay, but let's but say yeah, if you call them, if you call them a euro, euro twenty five a day, and you were going through four yeah. or five a day, that's like six or seven euro a day. Yeah, and so we that's, have that's we nearly have fifty euro a week. Yeah, we four adults, so at least we can all check the tap when we when we turn it on. But if you have young kids, it's impossible to stop them going to go in pouring a cup of water. You know, I go. I'd be, um, I'd be going berserk. I mean, I'd just be going off my head if I turned oh, the tap on for the last year and it was brown. Oh, it's driving us absolutely crazy. And what's worse, Neil, is you go to Irish Water and they were totally no information and just trying to fob you off every single time. Um, one of the girls here, Linda, who was actually supposed to be on the call, but she's got laryngitis. Um, she is the one who's been kind of kind of getting people to record the complaint constantly, and she's in exactly the same boat as us. Now, in fairness, they have come out, they have flushed, right? But when they're flushed, they tell you then, oh, just give it a couple of days and it'll have cleared. You give it a couple of days, it'll have cleared, but it's back again a day later, two days later, you know. Um, they told us on the, I think it was the 19th of October, that uh, we're flushing now at the moment, it'll be flushing for the next two or three days, uh, give us two weeks and the water will be clear. Like, we're five weeks later and we're still having brown water. No, no, no. I, I don't have any answers to it because all I get from them are statements. I mean, uh, we covered a lot of it yesterday with regards to adding too much chemicals and peeling away some protective layer on yeah. the pipes. And But even if that was the case, you'd think by now whatever gunk or rust or whatever that was going through the system would have washed through it, wouldn't you? Absolutely. And I suppose my main question is, is it safe to drink? They keep saying, no, I wouldn't be drinking. Bro- no, I wouldn't be drinking cold no. water. <laughs> there's a statement on the website I was just looking at this morning, and it says uh, the water is safe to drink as long as it's not discoloured. But like, <laughs> it's slightly brown. I mean, you can't see that necessarily. Is that safe to drink? You know, water safe to drink as long as it's not discoloured. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which means that it's unsafe to drink because it is discoloured. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So, and I mean, you're, get, you're getting everybody's asking the question, and unfortunately, because. When you ring up, they don't deal with you really. Anybody who's elderly and they're trying to make a complaint, they're not going to be using Messenger. They're not going to be using email. So they're just not being registered, you know, and it's the same. It's kind of, they're just fobbing off down when you ring up. So, I know. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Grania. I'm sorry for your troubles. All I can give you an opportunity is to share your story, but I can't fix it for you. Um, you know, I just Unfortunately, <laughs> but hopefully now making people aware of it something might actually happen oh listen this all started on Tuesday with one call and then all of a sudden I found out it's in the entire north side and half the south side and it has been for at least six months or in some cases well over a year but well we're definitely saying we've, we look back and we have uh, complaints made last November alright and we, we, were, we were putting up it for a while before that that's at least a calendar year okay thank you Jim good morning good morning Neil it's just a quick one this side of, uh, of 11 go ahead 
Yeah, a few years ago, the water charge was trying to be brought in, right? Oilers Water was saying that this system is ready, ready to collapse. Uh, it had it had to be upgraded. Now everyone is complaining when when when, when the system is falling asunder. Like, how many of your callers? I'd like to know paid the water charges because I paid water charges. But how many of your callers paid water charges? And how many the complaints that you're getting? I didn't. didn't. Pay them, but did, I, did, yeah. it, did 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 you have to voluntarily pay it, or did they send you a bill, or what was it? I got a, I got a bill and I paid it. I got a bill. But I, what I, happened I, if you like, didn't pay it? I don't know what happened. I wouldn't worry about that. I just paid it. I thought I thought it was something. To, uh, I, 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 you were talking during the week that is a commodity that we shouldn't be labelling our taps on for 15 minutes. Well, no, somebody I, would. I, no, I didn't I, say 15 minutes. Somebody said that we should have a protest and everyone should turn on every single tap on Leaside for 24 hours, he said. And I'm thinking, you know, there are countries yeah. where they die for water and they die for yeah, the lack t- of water. Tell that to the third world. Tell that, tell that to the third world. But, but what I'm saying, all the complaints you're getting about Irish water, this and that, this me, they told us this was coming, like. They, they told us that the system were failing, that, that the, 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 the underground pipes were collapsing, blown up in the air. You see it every second day in the, around the country, around the cock, it's happening. But if everybody, if every single person back in the... What, 2014, 15, 16? If they all paid, if we'd all paid our water charges, we'd still have this problem now. Wouldn't have made any difference. How do you know that? Because all that happened was that Irish water got funded from central funds instead. So this Irish, water, Irish water are big in the, the government for money, by and, and, and they have to go down their hand and knees to get... And come here to me, another thing. Look at all the people that didn't pay the bill and still got a hundred euro check. Mm. The people got got a hundred euro check for not paying water. I remember that. Yeah, I'd forgotten it until yeah, you mentioned it. Yeah. So like this, 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 this is our country. Like we don't want to pay for nothing. Like that's what's wrong. We don't want to pay for nothing. Yeah, when the system. No, sorry. Is second, excuse me. The last time I checked, we pay draconian taxes in this country by comparison to a lot of other countries around the world. All of which we get absolutely nothing for. You pay your taxes, right? And you go up to the A and E to get seen. It's carnage up there. And then when you get seen, if you're lucky enough, you come home and within 24 hours they sent you a hundred euro bill for the privilege of course why, why, why are you paying taxes man what about the people that's not paying taxes what about what them about the people that don't pay taxes what about them should they don't have to pay it like, and, and, and they're still going into hospital and I know I know look well, are you saying that they are you saying the people that have a medical card or something Listen, we're going completely off the wheel. We're we're trying to put Irish water in No, that was one of the reasons why people didn't want to pay for water because we felt we already pay so much, we get nothing for it. Like, what do you... You tell me one thing that you get for, and you probably will be able to, for your PRSI and your income tax and your local property charge taxes and your USE contribution. What do you get for it? Do you get a health system? No. Do you get free education? No. If, if you're if you're if you're if you're if you're if you're, if you're walking yeah, at the end of the year or during the year, you get tax relief and this and blah. And what? But this me. What do you get? You don't. Uh, what, sure can, you, can you jump on and off public transport for free? No, you can't. Well, okay, I, can sure you, I know. I know that. Can you, all I, the point the point I'm trying to make to you, right? With two days, you're getting call, You're getting calls from people. You're getting calls from people complaining about the water, and some of them are justified. But uh, there, there's no question being asked: Did you pay your water away at the charges? Did you like that's that's the question? And if they said no, right? Okay. They, you know they don't have much of an argument. They don't, and that's my that's only my opinion. All right. And I can be castigated for that. No, I will I not castigate you. I'll challenge you. That's no, what but, I'm here to do. But no, I accept but the people, point you're making without a doubt. Okay. 
Like I, I paid my water charge and I could ill afford to pay it, but I paid it. But uh, yet, in, in, in places around towns and countries, honest to good, good working people that went in to put in water meters, were the only things that didn't happen were, were assaulted. And I, and I, I can assure you, there was some. Well, well, sorted okay. for doing their job. It, it did get there was a lot of argy bargy. Okay, I need to move on. Thank you, Jim. Stay in touch back after the break. The voice of Cork, Neil Prendeville. Weekdays 9 to midday. Cork's Red FM. What have we got more of in the last few days than anything else? Videos of people running taps in their kitchen, and now time after time after time, they are at the very least a good golden yellow, and at the very worst, black as Coca Cola or gravy. Uh, text 0868104106. Has anyone else noticed a huge jump in their ESB bills, Neil, since the government announced the energy credit? My winter bill in 2021 was always around €200 Euro during the win- winter months. My bill today is 554 There's no one at home at all day during the week, so I must have a word with the dogs because one of them is doing wreck. These energy credits are not much help if the energy companies only add on more and more. My friend lives abroad, Pays €58 a month with showers, aircon, etc. Ireland is a rip-off. I wonder where your friend lives overseas paying €58 a month. Is it maybe in a sunny climate down around the Med or what's the story there? I know sometimes people can take advantage with regards to pricing. It's a bit like help to buy. You get 25 or 30 grand to help you buy a new home only to find that all too often the builders and developers have already put the price up by that amount. If Irish Water were telling people to turn the water on for a couple of hours every day to clear the system, how much would that cost you if you'd been paying the water charges? I moved to a house in Grange three years ago. Can't drink the water. It tastes terrible, smells funny. Doesn't taste like chemicals, but tastes stale. It's hard to explain, but it's undrinkable. And another one, which is even worse than that, I've sent you videos of disgusting filth flowing from our taps. For months we've been ill, with upset tummies, vomiting, diarrhoea and cramps. Presently we're being treated for worms. It's disgusting. We're so sick and it feels vile all of the time. I seriously think a claim looms. Irish water's a disgrace. Please tell your listeners to look out for these symptoms and go to the doctor. We believe it's the water we're drinking on the north side. And a final one for now. Uh, Mallow. Uh, Cannot drink it. Smell. Taste of chlorine is sickening. Even passing the tap in the kitchen, I can smell the chlorine. I don't have to run the tap because I can get a whiff of chlorine even when it's off. It is totally undrinkable. Be very bothered about the family that's, you know, upset tummies, vomiting, diarrhea, cramps, being treated for worms. Is it the water? Could all of that be from the water you're drinking? Back after 11, text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. And yet another day in association with Celtic Interiors. They're making bespoke, handmade, great quality kitchens and they're all on display in their award-winning state-of-the-art showrooms in St. Patrick's Woolen Mills in Douglas. Plenty parking out there, I can tell you. 30 years in business and they have a big cooking demo and workshops and expert advice and all sorts of things happening for their open day this coming Friday to celebrate their 30th anniversary. And we have uh, deluxe hampers to give away every day this week. Sweets and chocolates and wine and Celtic interior aprons and handmade Celtic interior coasters and chopping boards and all sorts of lovely things and be really good for Christmas. Tomorrow, somebody will win an overall prize of a €2,000 spend 
in Celtic Interiors at St. Patrick's Woolen Mills in Douglas. So we'll play talk on a topic just before midday today. I'll tell you more about that later on. I work for a courier company, DHL. I got an 80 euro parking ticket for going over the time in a loading bay in a marked DHL van. I explained to the traffic warden that I have a few businesses to deliver to that are close to each other, which sometimes takes longer depending on bulk boxes. He was having none of it. I had to pay the fine as the company wouldn't pay it and it would go up if it wasn't paid on time. This was not far off a day's wages for me. Oh my God. I mean, even I'm feeling your pain, pal. You had to pay it yourself. There you are in a DHL van. Okay, all right, you are where you are. You went over, but you were delivering to businesses. So you were just fined for doing your job. Um, That's unfortunate. Um, I mean, I have to say, I do know of traffic wardens that give people a break and they understand. Imagine, unfortunately, maybe not every single one of them. Traffic wardens also will be working on Sunday for the Christmas season, Neil, and for their Christmas bonus. It happens every year. Patrick Street's restrictions for private cars is not law on a Sunday. As usual, great show. There you go. I thought Sunday was also the same ban on Pana. But wardens will be working for the Christmas season. Will you stop at the taxi drivers? Everyone knows they don't live by the rules of the road. Red lights might as well not be there for taxi drivers and a lot more rules as well. I'm a bus driver in the city. You can't get near a bus stop after 9pm most nights in the city because they're all filled up now with motorists. Um, that taxi driver comes on, given about given on about cars parking in taxi ranks. But when you asked him about taxis parking in a bus lane and threatening behaviour, he wouldn't condemn it. I think that sums it up, says Desi. Well, listen, um, we'll take the calls regardless. You don't have to agree with everything. I wonder, actually, and one or two others. Then um, Sinn Fein. I'm not a Sinn Fein fan, but the only parties that you can blame for all of the mess is Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil, says Jerry. Hang on, what about the Greens? They're in government. What about Labour, who were in government in the past? You know, there are other parties. I'm t- I suppose you're talking about the parties with the most power. Listening to the discussions on McCurtain Street, cities all over the world are working to reduce cars, or sorry, to reduce space for cars in city centres, to give more space for people, more pedestrian zones, and it's working. It revives city centres and it makes it more attractive to come into. It's also better for business. Um, I get what you're saying. I really and truly am. But for that, you really need a kick-ass public um, transport system, you know. And I wonder if many of those city centres you're talking about, they would have trams maybe. They might have subways. uh, They might have really great bus services that deliver on time all the time and there's plenty of them. We can't say that in any of those cases. We don't tick any of those boxes, you see. Uh, You don't have to swear... On the Bible in court anymore, Neil, you can just affirm that you'll be honest. Although most barristers say in a jury trial that it affects decisions. Now, what does that mean? Um, Most barristers say in a jury trial that it affects decisions. If the jury don't see you swearing on a Bible, is that the point you're making? Just come back and clarify that. It's very interesting. Um, And one final one. Since Irish water took over, all these problems have been happening. We should be on a boil water notice. They won't take action until someone gets sick. I work in the council and they do send people out to flush out the water. I'm being honest, it's making no difference. It's nothing short of a joke. Can anybody help this elderly couple here? Um, I've got a text in. I don't know. Do we, do we try and call them to see if they're okay? Um, we're an elderly couple in our 80s living on the south side near the lock. We've been having an issue with our heating for ages. I've been on to the care and repair line. 
not quite sure what that is, um, the care and repair line. Is that, a, is that a council? Is it done by Age Action Ireland, perhaps? Maybe Age Action Ireland? But they have no one that does heating. Yeah, it's probably Age Action. We've been ringing around, but to no avail. My fingers are black with the cold, and my husband has a serious medical issue. Can you ask anyone out there if they have any knowledge? Um, can, we, can we call them um, and just chat with them and get a little bit more information as to what's wrong with their heating system? Because you can be damn sure there's, there's going to be a plumber and there's going to be people involved in the heating business listening to me right now. And I guarantee you that someone will pop in to see if they can fix it for them. So we can get you a little bit more information from you as to what's wrong and see if we can help to put it right. Because it's very cold, you know. And I mean, well into your 80s, you're going to feel the cold more than most people. So let's see if we can fix that. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 86 Red FM. What I don't get to today, I certainly will come back to tomorrow. Busy morning this morning. Alan, good morning. You, morning, you're, you're, you're just picking up on a caller from earlier on, Jim. Um, you wanted to pick up on his points. So I said, go ahead. Yeah, no, it was just, you know, I was listening to it and the impression I got, with, there was a, a fierce undertone of um, to push the blame onto people on social welfare and people that aren't working. What is that and the I, point where he says, what about the people that aren't paying taxes? Well, I mean, every every country in the world will have that, you know, and not every country is in a rush like Ireland is. Um, I think it's easy to pass off the blame. But my point was, and it's not, he categorised a lot of people and say, I'm not doing that. But what, my point is that that generation seemed to forget that they had it a lot easier than people have it now. I mean, I know personally of people that you couldn't walk into a bank without a sales representative coming up to you, pushing mortgages on you or remortgages or car loans or I mean all those all those things that happened in the past are not an effect of the state the country's in at the moment You're so right so, it really it, was it, like that in the noughties it really was it really you know, I've was. only lived on a jolly for years yeah. um, and that generation now are retired with their nice, nice homes it's quite easy to pass off call people lazy that aren't working but you know when you have two parent families it's not always the logical option for both parents to work because it, it might financially be possible for both parents to work. So you do rely on certain benefits and stuff like that. But I mean, to, I, just, I just feel that I, I don't want to categorize that whole generation, but it, it is a kind of running team that it's to blame of the, my generation. Say I'm 33 years of age now. Like I have zero hope of, of owning a home or anything like that. I, I don't claim benefits, but. I just, I just I feel, I, I, just, I just feel that it, it's very categorised to blame this generation when the actual faults of the country are from the generation before us. And that's so sure that, that I don't know that he was pointing his finger at your generation, but you know something, it's, it's even sad listening to you because you're one hundred percent accurate in all that you're saying. You know, your 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 chances to thrive are very much limited. Whereas when I was your age. And I'm not looking through it through rose-tinted glasses. There were issues back, like in the 80s, everybody was leaving the country with the slattery bus for a fiver to London. We were going to America and Canada and stuff like that. But when I came back, I had no problem at all getting a house. And I don't remember, and I wasn't paid a whole lot of money. And 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 I, But I don't remember struggling with the mortgage. I bought a three-bedroom semi-detached house in 1989 and cost me £47,000 at the time. The mortgage was, was low and the, it was easy to do. You just, you, and that would have been maybe twice my salary. You just wouldn't be able to do that now. You just could not even and, conceive and it, doing I'm that. Not, now. I'm not pointing fingers. Well, my actual point here is that if if we as a nation of Irish people actually got on the same page 
and fought for what was right for everybody instead of one class of people pointing the finger at another class of people we've probably been in a lot different situation because as I said the, the people that have been voted in for the last 20 or 30 years are as much to blame for the state of the country and, and that's because they're being voted in and for I the generations of, ahead of you I, all I can do is apologise for the mess we've left for you that's all I can oh, do 100% and I, I just wanted to make the point that it, it's not any class of people that are causing the issues in the country it's, it's who's running it and who's making the decisions and now we're paying back for, for all the, the money that was handed out so easily over the last 30 years. Yeah, yeah. One of the lads here working with me actually recently bid on a house that was 10 times his salary. 10 times. And, and the rule of thumb was two and a half times salary. Remember? Long, long yeah, time yeah, 100%, ago. Yeah. So and where do you see yourself in 10 years' time? I, I don't know. Like, I don't know unless unless the government changes and, and housing policies change. I'm not too sure. I'm in the bracket of I earn too much to qualify for council house. Even if I did qualify for council house, I was told the minimum wage is 10 years to wait. Um, when I apply for a mortgage, um, my the fact that I'm paying a certain amount of rent that would be nearly probably double the amount of a mortgage, I'm still told that I, 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 there's no proof that I can afford to pay it back. Uh, that's, in, that, that's, like, that's crazy. That's insane. And the fact that in 35 years' time, I'll be close to 70, so the risk is there that you know I won't be working to pay off the same amount of money I'm paying now in a mortgage when I'm 68 years of age. Thanks for taking the call, Alan. Much obliged to you. Good luck. No problem. Thanks care. very much, Nate. Text 0868 I'll come back to this, particularly if you're of Alan's generation. I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on that. You can always email Neil at redfm.ie. For the day that's in it today, today is Thanksgiving in America. Um, and it's also the day before. Actually, joined in studio by Claire O'Connor it started really Black Friday is today isn't it because listening yeah. to all the ads it's already begun I know it's just become a huge thing now it's nearly like a month how did it start thing. it was a it was a kind of a tradition in the states I suppose where we're getting a lot of the states uh, traditions now these days we were saying that at Halloween as well and it was always traditionally that the, the Friday after Thanksgiving the day after Thanksgiving was like the start of the Christmas shopping in the US so I think they kind of jumped on that and said let's you know make it even well, more attractive when did attractive. it start going over here then it started in Ireland in about 2014, I think, is the year was the year marked as because it was brought to the UK in 2010, and I think that was kind of an Amazon thing. So again, the online shopping element of it is what really brought it over here, and I think it kind of started online with the likes of Amazon, and now it's seeped into every everything. shop, you know, yeah, every shop, but not our streets, our local shops, the small businesses, and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now, of course, early in the week, mm-hmm. I did mention on the air that which magazine came out and yeah. said that only 2% of the bargains were real. Shocking. I mean, like, they said that they, they looked at 208 products from the likes of Amazon, Argos, Boots, Curry's, you know, a lot of the kind of brands that we have here as well, even though that was like a UK market. And they said that only five were actually cheaper on the day. How did they prove that? They tracked the cost of the product across the year, was it? Yeah, so I think that's becoming a bit of a thing now that they're realising that maybe brands aren't being as transparent as they should be. Now there are new regulations in Ireland um, which is trying to increase transparency and, and ensuring that discounts are genuine by getting retailers to set discounts based on the lowest price a product was on sale for in the previous 30 days. But if you look at some examples you'll see, you know, Apple AirPods, for example, are a great one. You'll see that, okay, they're they're down from, say, 159 to 130-something for Black Friday. And you're like, God, that's a great deal. But if you were keeping an eye on things yourself, you'd see that they were about 99 euro back in May. 
Ah, stop. Yeah, so, you know... Ah, stop. I know, and, and the more I look into Black Friday, the more uneasy I am about it sometimes. I think that, like, you really need to do your research and, and you nearly need to be thinking about what you want well in advance so that you know you're getting a genuine deal because it's very hard. But people shouldn't have to. They should no, be relying on honesty. I know, absolutely. And transparency. Yeah, like and in the UK, there are apps. Mm-hmm, yeah. Remember I was saying it this yeah. morning, um, we don't have that equivalent where you can track a product all year long on different apps. They're dot yeah. .co.uk apps. And there was, and Price Price Spy was one of them. And it actually, they did have an Irish Price Spy, but it was discontinued for some oh, that's reason. That's a shame. That's um, a shame. But, but they are very, very interesting to look at, even, you know, just from an, an interest point of view, because you do see the price of it. You see the, the graph of where the price dropped and rose and what brands were selling them at those prices. Okay. You did some pros and cons on. Yeah. Like, I suppose buy something if you really are holding off for it and yeah. desperately need it yeah, go ahead know, anyway with huge your things cards. kitchen appliances laptops or you know if you really want to treat yourself designer goods you know are, are part of Black Friday these days as well nice handbag nice pair of shoes but I really feel like you do have to do your homework on it and make sure you're getting the deal because there's nothing worse than seeing that then in the middle of March or, or April or something like that at an even more so the chances price. are you could get something in a Black Friday sale that would be cheaper in a January sale very possibly yeah yeah, and, and like, look, I mean, you know, it's it's a great day as well. To That's kind of not too bad, but it'd be an awful lot worse if you could have got the shoes two months ago cheaper. You know, That's the big thing. Especially when I think, you know, and it's almost like a thing now. You know, you'd be like, oh god, you know, my washing machine's after packing it in, and it's just like a phrase, like, oh sure, check out Black Friday, or oh have a look at the Black Friday deals. You know, it's almost just a given that like, well, Black Friday is the best time to buy something, and you know, a lot of the the things we've been seeing recently online and in the newspapers are kind of indicating that it isn't. Yeah, that I mean, there was a Toshiba. Th- 50-inch television mm. was cut to from 399 to 289 at Argos. But by January, it had dropped again to 279. Then there was uh, another example of a Samsung soundbar uh, with a subwoofer, 225 to 215. But it was 175 last August. Yeah. So 175 last August dropped to 215 for Black Friday. That's dishonest. You know, it, it is. Like, okay, so obviously they've dropped the price but they're not necessarily it's saying it's not as this low as price. price yeah the, the lowest price ever so like there is a lot of cons and it is it's so easy to get sucked in and it's very easily as well to spend unnecessarily you know and to kind of just go go and look at stuff for the sake of things so I would say like if, if you're kind of looking at diving into Black Friday do your research online are people buying online or are they going physically into bricks and mortar I think shops? online is really popular um, but I think it's it's good to shop local as well we all know how important it is to shop local even you know the smaller places but of course even if you're going to the bigger international brands at the end of the day you're putting money into your local shop and you know that's going to support well, will they be fighting well. the queues now tomorrow <laughs> I think that was a big thing in the States you know you'd see these crazy videos online of people like you I've know, been there crawling. For, for Black Friday Did and they're fighting they're fi- yeah you've seen them fighting and arguing with each other yeah. or, you know, all hordes outside shops at midnight you know it's, yeah. it's intense so I think that maybe the online you know people were going more towards that but you know I would say to try and have a bit of self-control don't panic you know don't don't kind of fall for the while stocks last best deal buy now and, and budget a small bit and you know that'll kind of help to kind yeah. of do you think that many people do the research and they just know what they want and go and get it or they just go in and they just go mad I think it's a bit of both. Like, it I depends think, if you have money or not. I, I think I think a lot of people would say, "Oh, I'm going to need a new washer dryer, or a dishwasher, or a hair dryer, or a laptop. I'm going to wait until Black Friday. I'm just going to, you know, pop in." I, I don't really know how much price comparison people are going to be doing because you you want to trust people and you want to, you know. Kevin showed me a video from a Walmart sale <laughs> from Black from Black Friday. You should post that, Is that on, in on North social. Carolina? I think there was it's a absolutely one there. mental. They're ripping the shop apart. Yeah. I mean, do, how, how come they turn into people like that? It's towels. 
for towels. For towels. It's the advertising <laughs> as well, you know, and it's this kind of urgency. They're ripping the shop you know. apart, ripping towels out, <laughs> pushing for people towels. out of the way. The hysteria, you know, can definitely be a thing, and which I don't think we have too much of here. We don't have too much of it here. Okay, so it's not just electrical goods, no. like so. Obviously, it's towels. Towels. Really cosmetics, shoes. Yeah. Holidays overseas, yeah. discounted prices on things like and that. And I was perfumes. looking at some of the the top selling ones in 2021, 2022, and you know, you know the Le Creuset, you know those like fancy pots and the yeah, fancy yeah, yeah. that kind of kitchenware mattresses, holiday packages, um, Disney Plus subscriptions, Christmas trees, uh, you know, and the usual like TVs, laptops, Dyson, Hoover's hairdryers, whatever you have. So it's really a bit of everything uh, that you can get, I'd say, if you want anything. That's and it's also a time when people use, because they're hopefully getting mm-hmm. bargains, to yeah. buy some Christmas presents. Yeah, from. and like I suppose for me, have you started your Christmas shopping yet? No. No. I actually do very little if I'm to be absolutely honest. <laughs> of a person in my life who's brilliant and loves oh, doing that. Yeah, that's what I, <laughs> well, I hope you're good today. <laughs> I, I like Christmas. I think it's way too long. If it was me, it would so. be just a week. Yeah, yeah. So, but apparently, you know, there was a, a survey done by Tesco and it said that 38% of people start their gift shopping in the month of November. Um, and I think a lot of that would have to do with that Black Friday idea and that it's like this is it now kick it off get it started um, but also actually in that survey they said that 10% of people actually start their Christmas shopping in the summer totally and some buy some will buy in the January sales yeah, for next Christmas exactly so what about um, all of the things that people need to work look out for I was talking earlier yeah. this morning about all of the different scams that are out there yeah. and there are many different ways that you can be caught you actually could think that you're on a legitimate site with one letter misspelled mm-hmm. and you're not on a legitimate site at all no and you really have to look out for this kind of stuff you know uh, they're saying a lot of fake ads on social media are leading a lot of people to bad websites uh, especially the younger generation who might be using social media more um, there are scams where you might pay for something and it never arrives uh, there are the ones you mentioned earlier where you know you're ordering so much stuff and then you get one of these track your parcel texts and you're like oh that must be one of the ones I'm getting and you know you just instantly respond or you pay a fee that they're trying to tell you to pay and you know it's just not legitimate and which also have come out and saying that you know AI are just getting so so smart these days and that they can you know imitate voices like we've spoken about before in the show and that's just and you won't see spelling mistakes trap. anymore now or kind of dodgy looking scams they look really could, good but it's definitely airing on the side of they're getting very professional looking so you know the that is a big con as well for the for the Black Friday, the scams and the fake kind of things, you know. Mm, and I know that the CCPC, Consumer mm-hmm. Protection, are looking out at companies as well and they saying are. that we are watching. So yeah, clearly yeah. they're on their guard that mm-hmm. people are maybe, you know, not getting the value. And they actually said to other retailers, yeah. if you know of competition to your business that's not behaving, let us know. Yeah, they're encouraging people to do a bit of snitching on the, on the competition. But this apparently the is the first time they're going to do this. They didn't mm-hmm. have the powers to do it in the past, but this is the first Black Friday where they actually can say, I think, uh, yeah, because a lot of the new regulations on sale pricing were introduced in November of last year, so I'd say that's going to give them a lot but more But what are we going to do with that? the throwaway culture? Because a lot of the stuff yeah. that's going to be bought now, I don't mean to be a whinger, but it will replace perfectly good stuff that people have already. There was, uh, there was an article in the UK Times during the week and it was saying about how the UK are going to encourage um, mending things and that it will kind of be in a warranty. So if you buy something like if you buy your Hoover from a, an electrical shop that it will be within the warranty that you can bring it back and they will mend it for you and that's going to be more encouraged for stuff yeah. like that. As opposed to just throwing it away or Tossing recycling. Yeah. About, there's probably 55 inch televisions that are perfect on a wall mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. that are going to be replaced by a 65 inch 
and the 55 inch will be recycled totally and it goes all the way from the top to the bottom whether it's a pair of shoes that you're just sick of but that could be perfectly good for something else or you know as you say yourself something very high end like a huge television so, so Christmas can be all about that and it can be all about the spend 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 but uh, you know are we done are you, are you are you is it worth it will you be doing anything I don't think I will actually no, no. I don't think I'll be getting anything back Friday no, how about you? Why, you live in a world where there's absolutely nothing that tickles your fancy or attracts your attention, no? Well, you know, hopefully you now my boyfriend will get me some nice things for Christmas, so I'll leave that off to him. Easily pleased. <laughs> all right, fair play to you. Thanks for jumping Thanks in. For Thanks, Claire. Black Friday tomorrow, although, as we're telling you, it's already started. Cork's biggest conversation is here. The Neil Brenderville Show is on Cork's Red FM. It certainly is, and we're talking all things Cork this morning as we do, and I'll be playing out the first Cork radio play of uh, Dark and Lively's new song is called This Is Cork. They asked me to give it a spin and I am very happy and honoured to do so this side of midday and then of course the song will be launched on Spotify, Apple Music and YouTube and what have you. Meanwhile, we're taking three callers now. Callers 9, 10 and 11 0818 to talk on a topic courtesy of ourselves and Celtic Interiors you will win. Whoever does it best, I'll give you the topic, my choosing. You talk on it with the least amount of deviations, repetitions, ums, ahs and pauses. Whoever does it best, what fun we had yesterday. Whoever does it best wins today's deluxe hamper uh, and tomorrow, of course, somebody's going to win a €2,000 spend in Celtic Interiors at St. Patrick's, Woolen Mills and Douglas. So get dialing for that as well. All other business will pick it up in the morning. So get dialing now 0818 104 I want to say a very big thank you, as usual. Some traditions never change on Leaside. I get my first copy of the Cork Holly Bow, the Christmas Holly Bow, delivered to me by Twilight News on Patrick Street every single November. So thanks to the gang at Twilight News I've read it back to back. It's full of little yellow stickets and post-it notes and what have you. And I've got the uh, editor of it again to continue with our annual tradition, John Dolan from the Hollybow. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Neil. How are you? Nice to chat again. You've only gone and pulled it off again. And Fiona Looney's front page art is just delightful, isn't it? Yeah, Fiona, Fiona Foley's beautiful. Foley, my apologies. It? Fiona Foley, sorry. It, it, it's a stunning, yeah. She's from out in Tomes near McCroom, Neil. But yeah, every year for the last few years, we've had a local... We have so many great Cork artists, don't we? And writers and everyone else in Cork. We're very lucky. It's so beautiful. every year we, I, we we have a different artist. And yeah, Fiona's done a stunning job, isn't it? Beautiful. Can you buy that? I wonder, does she frame that or what? Can you get a print? Yeah, I'd say, you, you know, you'd be probably be able to at some stage. Now, I'm not, you know, I think it's going to be on Christmas cards as well. It might well be in the coming weeks. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's all her own artwork uh, commissioned by us. So it's 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 beautiful, isn't it? It's, um, it's, it's higgledy-piggledy is what she It is. It's all of the cor- gorgeous, iconic cork. And on the ins- you can guess on the front page and then find all of the buildings listed yeah. on the inside page. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece of art. Well done to Fiona Foley. I've got, I mean, I've got so many things highlighted here from the, from the, from the read. I love the story story of Stephen McCarthy um, leaving yeah. the North Mon uh, and wanting to go in and work with um, Seamus yeah. Murphy the sculptor it's beautifully written it's gorgeous stuff isn't it really oh that, that's a stunning story Stephen McCarthy actually incidentally he, he grew up in Cork's North Side I think he, he lives out in Inverness in Scotland now these days but he obviously you know like all Cork people in a diaspora he's, he's left his heart in Cork hasn't he uh, but yeah he, it's a stunning piece and what I love about that particularly he's talking about his own parents especially his mother about the fact that he wanted to leave school and he, he didn't want to go on to college or he, he wanted to take up a trade and the kind of I think we could call it snobbery I think everyone was but th- that was snobbery was rife in those days this is the 1960s and his mother didn't want him to be a sculptor at all she didn't think it was for yeah, him so you know? she brought him out to Seamus Murphy in Blackpool and he saw exactly what it was like to be a hard working sculptor <laughs> 
<laughs> not only that, but his mother had tipped off Seamus Murphy beforehand and said, my son wants to be a sculptor, can you please tell him not to do it? So I can imagine. Yeah, it's a wonderful piece, and it's beautifully written, and it describes the north side at the time and the beautiful architecture that was there then and remains there now as well, and, and you know, Seamus Murphy's work and all those things. Yeah. But yeah, it's just a great Hollybow story, isn't it? It's it is, it is. Yeah, it's exactly doing that, a bit like Liam O'Higgins' beautiful, beautiful um, nostalgic look at his childhood in the marsh. It's gorgeously yeah. written up to and including when they go out uh, for the Rand Day. But he said they were poor, but they felt rich. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, isn't that a lovely line? It's true, you know, because, you know, they were growing up and I think he lost he lost a parent when he was very young and he was brought up by, partly by an aunt and he's, you know, who were living in lots of them all in one roof, you know, in different stories of a house in the in the old marsh there. And yeah, it's it's that lovely line he's saying, you know, they, they didn't have money, but they didn't really realise it and they were rich in, in neighbourhood love and, and community and all those things. Um, and it's beautiful pieces and it's very evocative of, of, of that time back in, you know, back when the marsh was, was this, you know, lots of people lived there then, didn't they? Well, it was and, much uh, simpler times. It was maybe yeah, if you were absolutely. lucky, you got one present, maybe an apple and an orange at the end of the bed and a <laughs> sock. But you know, when you talk about tenement living, on, on a very serious note, near the back of the Hollybow is an awful story of a mother and her children who died in a fire in a tenement. But this is this is around the 1920s on the coal quay. Yeah. Awfully sad. And the dad goes out to work of a morning. He's working for the Cork Gas Company. And as he's at work, an inferno breaks out in the tenement homes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really tragic story. This is a story from Pat Poland, who's been a contributor to the Hollybow for, for decades, for many, many years, uh, former fireman as well in the city, now retired. But yeah, it, it's a beautiful story. And one of the good things about this was we actually have a picture in our old archives from the Examiner and Echo days, you know, of, of 1927, I think it was. It was, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and you can see the, the burnt out shell of the building Kyle and all Street. those people there, yeah. you know. It's really kind of, again, it's very evocative, isn't it? And what a tragedy for the community and like you said it, it's the day-to-dayness of it isn't it this guy goes out to goes out to work uh, leaves his family behind and, and he never sees them again you no, know um, but it shows that like in a tenement building like that over a shop on Gull Street you had loads of different people some were sharing a room with their family there was elderly people living in their own rooms and something might have happened with maybe a gas lamp or something went up like a tinder box but, it, but it's yeah. very evocative because it talks about you know elderly people looking out for each other and bringing each other cups of tea and checking on them in the morning but before, before they knew it the conflagration had caught hold and a mother and three children perish and one of the great lines in it is this was the era of the shawl is in the coal key and all the ladies got together in the coal key and, and caught somebody from the from the burning building in their shawls. They, they did. They pulled out a shawl and did it. So so these shawls, which are a very iconic piece of cork um, clothes, you know, uh, were actually used to save somebody's life there with one of the lucky people who escaped it. But yeah, it, 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 it's, it's a terrible tragedy. There's a similar story in the Hollybow as well about a building that collapsed, I think, a few, a few decades before then. Um, and, and again, you know, there were people, people who died in that as well and it was just this rickety old building and the person who owned it was over in the UK and, and obviously it wasn't being well looked after at the time yeah, um, no, and it collapsed and you know yeah and again it's just the day to dayness of that of these people who were there and the elderly lady died in the collapse and don't you just love, don't you just love the writings of Richard T. Cook he had a look there um, and a salutation to the characters the characters Banjo yeah, Annie and uh, uh, Jackie the Gadget and Klondike and the Rancher he was selling blocks and stuff wasn't they were they were fierce characters back in 
the day, weren't they? Absolutely, yeah. Some of your older listeners, Neil, I'm sure will know some of these names themselves. And, you know, these are times when, you know, people were out in the streets and, and it was a community and there were, there were some eccentric people. There were some people who were, you know, maybe even suffering mental illnesses. It, 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 they wouldn't have been called that in those days. Yeah. But, you know, there were characters that were out on the streets. They'd be singing songs. There was a guy who used to stand on the top of the old opera house steps when it was the old opera house. And he'd, he'd be singing opera songs and hoping to be noticed by all his And a damn fine know. singer too, by all accounts, I'm told. By all accounts, he was, you know. And yeah, it's, it's great, isn't it? Just some of the, And yeah, it's great that we have people who document them and remember them. And these, these people are long gone now, but they're still remembered. And, you know, the Hollybow kind of tells their stories and keeps, keeps the tradition going, you know. That double page spread from 50 years ago where Barry Keane is talking about the fact that they were planning a flyover that would do the around, circumvent the entire city centre on stilts. That's not an April Fool's joke, no? That was real, was it? Genuinely real. And I, yeah, and I, you know, it's the sort of thing I've kind of heard of it here and there over the years. But yeah, Barry King did a great job of, of reporting on this. And it, it really did happen. And it was something that, when you see it, it was basically, it, it, it was a ring road on stilts around the city. And, you, you know, cars would have to enter it from various places around the city. And the hope was that it would free up traffic below. Um, but it, it, was, it was a colossal amount of money. Uh, it was it was opposed by and again we're going back to the marsh. Lots of the old houses in the marsh would have been uh, gone under this plan as they well. They demolished half the city to put that in there. They I mean, would have demolished it's half like the space city. age, and it was fifty years ago. Maybe we're maybe we're regretting now that they didn't do it. Well, well, maybe down the years, but you know it's funny because the, 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 he starts the story by saying in, in, in the early sixties he remembers he was about five years old in the back of his dad's old car, and he remembers being literally two and a half hours on the keys waiting to turn right and not being able to because there were bridges closed at the time and everybody, everybody had to go through Patrick Street, didn't they, to get through Cork and it was just horrendous and even then they knew that they had to do something, it was an ambitious plan but in our eyes now where we're trying to, to I guess, pedestrianise the city more and drive the car away yeah, a little I bit know, more, I know. it looks awful doesn't it? Yeah, I know, <laughs> and I, listen it, it, never reached, uh, it never reached fruition anyway yeah, opposed another, another form of transportation actually is Cork Airport I, lo- I love this story because it talks about Mother Teresa coming into Cork Airport, the crew of Apollo 11, Neil Armstrong, Sean Connery, um, uh, Keith Floyd, Bill Clinton, they all came in. But Jane Mansfield, the sex siren, came in years ago, right? And apparently she was going down to do some kind of a gig down in West Cork, was it? And the Catholic Church had it cancelled, is that right? Well, I, I, apparently so, yeah. That's, that's another of the stories. She packed up her yeah. bag and she headed to Bristol and says, it was just amazing. <laughs> it's crazy stuff. I mean, yeah, that's the Hollybow. It's just rich in, in people. It's it's written by the people for the people. I always say uh, every year. Neil, it's because a it, different it, world. It, it's histor- you know, historians contribute and Shane Lehan has written a lovely piece about the 1970s Christmas dinner. Oh, I was, love that. That's brilliant. Yeah, that was so good. That's the 1970s it? Christmas dinner and he does the start and everything which would be the grapefruit with the half a chivers ch- glazed cherry on top <laughs> the prawn cocktail he mentions which was and then the sauce was basically I think it was salad salad cream and, and ketchup <laughs> mixed together you know, and two two lettuce leaves where you got them from oh back in the day God, who knows stop and then of course like you had the you have the ongoing fight on Lee's side whether the stuffing should be bread stuffing or potato stuffing <laughs> and I, I love this talking about the wine and the fact that it was so new to many houses back in the 1970s that you know someone had asked for a glass of wine and it was a darkened bottle and nobody knew whether it was white or red and nobody cared you know it was just like wine you were more <laughs> likely to get a bottle of tanor on the table weren't you <laughs> well that's true yeah 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 it's, it's funny oh stuff oh my but, yeah. God. 
I just love it. Love the double page spread. I love the double page spread of Michael O'Regan, the Echo Boy, close to your uh, own. Gorgeous he, photographs. Yeah, Michael passed away there just after Christmas last year, and I was at his funeral. And and actually, the, the Taoiseach at the time, Mayor Martin, was at the funeral as well, and his family. His nephew did a beautiful eulogy, which we reproduced in the Holly Bow about his about his uncle there, Michael, and and, and in the kind of warts and all piece. He was so beloved, and he was a Catholic. He was saying he was, you know, he was he'd, he'd have people on, you know, he, he was such a great street character. We were talking about characters of Cork, and there's one Michael O'Regan, who's sadly no longer with us, isn't he? But uh, what, what a lovely, lovely article that I is. I love yeah, it. Yeah. There's article after article. I wish we had more time. The story of Jeremiah Scully being caught by Tom Gar- Barry's flying brigade down in Roscarney. Uh, what yeah. an incredible story. That's worth the that's worth the holly buff for that story alone. Oh, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's his, his his granddaughter in England and, and her, her grandfather, who um, I think it was out in Roscarney, wasn't it? Was, it was, and he had to leg it to England and change his name because he was on yeah. the run. And maybe, in hindsight, he should never have been on the run in the first I, place. I think there seems to be a consensus now, both locally and amongst the family, that he he, he never betrayed um, Tom Barry and the IRA at the time. And that was the perception at the time. And obviously, he had to flee for his life. Um, but yeah, it, it's a very good story. And But but this guy, he, he became a postman in England. He'd been a postman in Ross Carberry. Married and a second time, two name. different families. Yeah, amazing. Absolutely yeah, amazing. amazing. Listen, you've life. done it again, man. I wish I had more time. Congratulations on a Thanks kicking so much, holly Neil. bow and it'll sell Thanks like so hotcakes as usual, John Dolan. Thanks so much for taking the call. Thanks, Neil. Well done, John Dolan, editor of The Holly Bow, and you'll see it everywhere, the iconic big red mag. Uh, and it always, for me, indicates the arrival of uh, Christmas, and it's just great. I don't know if any other city is as blessed to have something like this coming out every single year. We should be so proud of it. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 Cork's Red FM. Dark and Lively played in studio in July. They're supporting Jerry Fish and Ballycotton on New Year's Eve and their new single is launching today. They asked me to give it a spin. First airplay. Happy to do it. Won't be able to play it all, but this, lads, this is Cork. <laughs> Sunday, down the maritime when you can. 
this is car. It caught on by the This is car. A real capital city. This is car. It caught on by the This is car. Dark and Lively, Joe O'Leary and Brian Tamling. The new single is out. That's the first play of it. It's a cracker. And of course, it is All Things Cork. They're releasing the music video to that on YouTube today. And then you can buy it since available online. Of course, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, uh, Crowley's Music Shop from tomorrow. And good luck to the lads. Last bit of business today involves, I've only got time for two, if you don't mind, Claire Coughlin, as opposed to Colin. Claire Coughlin is in Dunmanway. Good morning. Hello, how are you? Are you ready to rock with 30 seconds on a top? Haven't been this nervous. Yeah, haven't been this nervous in a long time. I know, it's very hard because you have no idea what you're letting yourself in for, you see. brutal. And that's the problemo. So anyway, we'll give it a blast and see how we go. 30 seconds. And your topic is 30 seconds um, on talking on a topic of the craziest thing I've ever done. So the craziest thing you've ever done, please. Your 30 seconds starts now. The craziest thing I ever done was leave my home, my family for three whole months, move to America while my sister had a new baby. So I ditched my dad, ditched my poor long-suffering boyfriend and flew all on my own over to California. I had to take care of older toddler while she went into labour and had a little newborn and had to go through all the breastfeeding issues. I was so nervous having to deal with a little potty trailing two-year-old. Had to take her off to the playground. Had to speak to all well the Well done, well done. You probably didn't hear it. I've got problems with audio here at the moment. But you did 30 seconds. And from my standing, I didn't hear any ums, as deviation or repetition, I can tell you. So good job on that one, Claire. Hold on. It's perfect, to be honest with you. Um, Jonathan Burks in Mallow. Let's see how he thinks about that. Jonathan, good morning. That'll be a hard one to beat. It'll here, my be friend. a tough one, kid, my friend. It will be a tough yeah. one. But let's see if it you're sure up to will. the challenge, right? This be is deluxe. Easy with me, so with the topic. <laughs> <laughs> a deluxe hamper containing all sorts of goodies from Celtic Interiors. Thirty seconds. This is straightforward, and I feel have no problem with this one. I think, Jonathan. Thirty seconds on the best or your most favourite Christmas present ever, and your thirty seconds on that starts now. The best present ever is a no brain where I got to PlayStation, but Donkey Kong was out at the time. And myself and my brother, we actually stayed up nearly 24 hours playing Donkey Kong just to conquer it. But the best buzz about the part of it was the way it was wrapped that morning. Sure, I was a big child back then and just ripping the thing apart, I couldn't believe what I got. But saying that then, about 20 minutes into it, it realised we had to take about a half hour to set it up. And as well as that then, there was Donkey Kong 2. So after we cleared the first one, we stayed up 24 hours later, the next one, to conquer the second. Uh, I don't know what to Donkey do. Kong 2. And then there was Donkey Kong <laughs> 3. Was and then the return right. of Donkey Kong. Yeah, uh, and nearly 48 hours we stayed up playing it. <laughs> well, our eyes were nearly turned square, I'd say. Stop, man, stop, stop. Yeah. I just like trying to pick my favourite child here. <laughs> I don't Ask know what... Neil. <laughs> They're telling me that you had a slight hesitation in there, I believe. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. Annie, come on. Do you think you had a slight hesitation, Claire? No. Man, don't do that to me. I'm actually very nice. Uh, Claire, person. come on. I think you I, I, think I had well, more Claire, of a flow and I heard a lot of 
having said that, yeah. and then have I mentioned, <laughs> did I tell you about the time? <laughs> but listen, yeah. all's good. Listen, I would absolutely adore to win. I have, I have to be, I have to uh, be fair, Jonathan. Jonathan, I have to be fair. To have to be fair, I'm out of time right now. You sound like a really good guy. Off you go. Play Donkey Kong because you ain't going to win today. My apologies. Ah, uh, thanks, Neil. <laughs> Sorry, man. Do try again oh, that's soon. Crazy. It's your fault, Sorry. Claire. It's your fault. Be blaming me. It's your that's fault. Uh, <laughs> gotta go. Gotta go. Gotta go. Congratulations. I never thought I'd feel here. Someone feel so down about winning a prize, but you just feel for poor old Jonathan. But anyway, we'll do it again tomorrow. More opportunities. Courage for yourselves. And Celtic Interiors. I'm over time. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.